Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. So what the hell just happened there? That was definitely a CIA running interference, tapping the line. And while they tapped it, they took out the sound. So I can identify the exact point when uh, this split into three. Me, you, and government intelligence listening to this very important show. So <laughs> I don't know. I did everything like according to plan. So it's kind of weird. Um, and the fact that I have the headphones on was taking a live drag off of this and had audio. But anyway... It's just the way that things are here. So uh, I want to thank you, first of all. The show, again, has 1,150 viewers or 1,057, I think. It was 1,160, and then it dropped a little bit. But if you are not subscribed, please subscribe to the show. It's up in the pinned tweet, of, or I guess the pinned area of how to subscribe. Or tell your friends, or if you have like 10 YouTube channels, subscribe from each of them and uh, help out the show. So it's really not an issue here of subscription as much as it is, is just making sure I'm, you know, sticking the schedule of Monday night shows for the safety doc and then also Friday mornings for Facefully Friday, which I love. And, and I said that show takes me about two hours to just research like the four articles I'm going to pull into that. But I've learned so much from that and learned so much from all of you. Um, so yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Um, and it's just getting up to that 4,000 hours. I had that that span last year of like uh, January to August where I wasn't producing content because I was working on my book. By the way, um, the trailer for my book is officially out now. It released literally like an hour ago, hour and a half ago. It is phenomenal. So the video trailer, the 60 second video trailer for the velocity of information is out. And uh, the producer's working on a second trailer. So over the weekend, we were collaborating on that. Uh, that's going to have some components similar to the first trailer, um, but it will be, um, there'll be some changes, right? <laughs> and it, and I'm really excited about that to have kind of the, it's kind of like what TV, you know, commercials do, right? So they show you one version, but then they switch it up and give you another, another version, but they're kind of similar. But I'm so excited. So the first trailer dropped. It's out there. Um, so if you see it, please distribute it. I posted it up earlier in a link, but the official 60-second trailer for the Velocity of Information is out. Um, and I couldn't be more thrilled with it. So um, had a long uh, weekend with my uh, publisher. Uh, they are going through what is called proofs right now, which is also the process I'm going through with them. And what we do is we look at uh, the layout of the book or it's, and, and all this concern of what is called flow forward, <laughs> which I never knew before, but it's like, okay, if we, if we do these images and this arrangement, then we have to reflow the text going forward in the pages. So it changes the page numbers, which in turn changes the index and all of that. So it's a pretty big process, although it's, it seems like it should be kind of automated, but there still is this very hands-on approach. So I was working with my uh, publisher and my editor over the weekend at the publishing house because, you know, three months from tomorrow, the book releases. And it's close. I mean, the book is completely done. It's just that the layout of the book isn't exactly as it needs to be. 
So then I would go in, <laughs> I would actually scan pages of the book and um, and send them back and say, no, you know, they need to stay, they need to flow this way. We we can't have an orphaned headline um, at the bottom of a page like that won't work. Um, so it, there's just a lot that goes into it. They did. They've done a tremendous amount of work. Like it's it's very close. Um, but obviously, I have the final say when it goes to print, and I'm like, we've got to do these these things in order for it to be for all of you, right? Like the best book out there. And my my narrator's chomping at the bit to get the final book version so he can start on the narration process. Uh, my narrator, by the way, is. Um, He's a, a character on a TV show, which most of you probably know. I can't give his name out right now until we start the narration process. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, I just feel like I'm flying on a cloud. I'm a cloud right now. I'm over here. Out of cloud. Um, it's been hard work. Hey, thanks, Armitage. Man Against the Masses. I recognize both of you right here. So thank you very much. Armitage, uh, except right here's Armitage. Would you melt up and never get in trouble there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vanessa, thank all you. Uh, thank all you guys. Uh, Bolo, our good friend in Canada. My God, it's been three degrees here, so I don't know. I don't know if it's warmer up by you, but it's been damn cold here. Damn cold, which isn't necessarily bad because I get to burn up some of my firewood and I just stocked the burner before this. But uh, we started a second club of three riders. Too much time spent on the road and get in trouble. Uh, are you biking now, Bolo? Like, I mean, I know people bike in winter. It's not me. That's not for me. I would bike if it's 100 degrees. Like, that doesn't bother me. I love biking in hot temperatures. I hate biking in cold. Um, I just hate the cold in general. So why do you live in Wisconsin, Doc? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, well, it's cool. Um, and something I'm going to do is switch up. And I'm going to do a video series this summer on some of my 100-mile bike treks. And take you right through, right? I'll cut it down. Like, I won't do that live, but I'll cut it down and say, like, here's how I prep the bike. Like, here's where I'm going to go. Here's how I kind of scout it out ahead of time. Here's the actual trip. Like, I'll have a camera. You know, you'll be able to see some of that stuff. I'm going to take you guys this really old uh, dam that was built in the 1930s, which is now defunct. But we're going to tour it anyway, so stuff like that. So, by the way, hey, uh, congr uh, congratulations to our good friend uh, Bacon, Bacon Maldito. Uh, for uh, surpassing 1,000 subscribers to his channel. Well-deserved. Thank you, Bacon. I was in there Friday celebrating with you when you surpassed 1,000 subscribers, but our good friend Bacon Maldito out in the greater Inglewood area. Thank you, Bacon, and welcome, buddy. Um, so, yeah, things that you can do to help me as one just to subscribe to the channel, to share the channel, to share the shows, um, and, of course, to share the two books, The uh, School of Airs, which is my first book, which is over here. I'm going to put it up right now. The most honest book ever written about the $3 billion school safety industry. This is terrific for parents. It's terrific for educators. It's terrific for you as a taxpayer. Like, what am I paying taxes for? Look at the tax section of my school bill, and I'm seeing these bollards and maybe surveillance cameras, things like that. Is that the best way to spend money? These books are made really well, by the way, from my my publisher, wrote the center contract. So this is my original book, the first one I ever received. It's three years old. It's not bent on the corners or anything. This is this is solid. Like this is good manufacturing. It's sewed. Um, this is this is actual sewing right here that happens. So um, this book is well made. So you know, just and you know, there's a section in here about 9/11. 
I worked with the New York City Department of Planning and, and you know, we explored what was the psychology of the people rescued on 9-11? Why, why didn't, you know, uh, 500,000 people allow themselves to be rescued in nine hours in lower Manhattan? How did that happen? So we, we, we kind of backed things up and looked and said, well, it actually happened because of things that they experienced in the 80s. So it's all in this book. It's really good. It's a fun read. Vanessa, I think if you've read it, you can vouch for it. Bolo, some of you in the audience. Um, so yeah, it's it's really it, it's really a well assembled book, folks. So um, this is it. I, I can't hold up the velocity of information because obviously I don't have that book yet. It hasn't released. It releases April 11, three months from tomorrow. 411 411, uh, which has uh, significance just in the date itself. But yeah, it's coming out. So want to appreciate uh, everyone on that. So um, this is out to um, our good friend Bacon. Thanks, Doc. You helped a lot too. Appreciate it. Yeah, Bacon, you're a really good guy. So I can't wait till we uh, meet in person. And either it's going to be at a Ingle, uh, a Inglewood uh, Dismore's Deli, which is uh, unlimited. You can just go up as many times as you want. Or uh, at a Taco John's, either place. but Or an Arby's, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, and Bacon uh, continues to do his 10 p.m. CST shows, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, it's a little late for me, <laughs> but I will stay up for Bacon. So, um, and he's been consistent with his content um, and continuing to evolve his channel. So, good job, Bacon. Um, and what do we have here? We have uh, from Armitage. I mean, it's some pretty awful stuff, actually. It would have suspended me. Armitage, nobody. No, no, no. And Vanessa Ray, I have a mathematician friend from Fort Worth who rode their bicycle up from New England to Texas. He stayed at my place for two days. I serve lobsters and shrimp. Awesome. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I'm like, that just that just sounds great. Bacon Roy, bike to Seattle five years during the winter. Or my unusual uh, garb of tank tops, the basketball shorts, the walk around place. Literally steaming, steaming, bacon, steaming. So the thing is with biking, I will bike 100 miles in summer. Um, and it doesn't matter what the heat is. So the hotter, the better, actually. I really enjoy the heat, which doesn't match with me living in Wisconsin, but I love the heat. And, um, you know, so I love these long bike treks and I could plan them out and I just absolutely love biking a hundred, hundred miles a day is really, yeah, I wouldn't say it's nothing for me. I mean, you have to plan out for it. It's not like I'm 20 years old. Right. But, um, I could a hundred miles a day though, is I can get home from a hundred mile bike ride, you know, put my bike in the garage, just walk in the house and do whatever. Like, I don't have to like go on the couch and take a nap. Or I'm not like totally wiped out or anything. It's like, but you know, you plan for these things. You understand how to prepare your body for a hundred mile bike ride. And while it sounds like a lot, you know, if you space it out over the, the course of a day and you're eating properly and stuff like that, it's really not bad. I, I actually love it. I, I look forward to these. I couldn't get enough of them. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm three months away from biking weather here in Wisconsin. So I will, I need to order new um, Panacea uh, biking tires. And I come from Japan for my bikes. So I need to get a hold of the uh, bike shop here in the next couple of weeks and order those to see if we can get them in by the start of the season. So, but yeah, absolutely love it. So guys, a few things uh, with me is first of all, let's talk about today's show before we get into this. So if you see any trolls and you have the blue wrench, please get rid of them. <laughs> and, and also like in the comments in my blog post, 
or not my blog post, but but for the show or for other shows, like I had somebody post a really rude post this week. And they said, like, this is just nonsense. It's like drivel. It's ongoing. It's like nothing. And I'm like, well, then you just, you know, you don't have to listen to it. This isn't your jam. And that's not a big thing. But you don't have to criticize me and all this other stuff. So if you see that, I'm not saying, like, you know, that you have to create this bubble around the doc, right? But jump in there and just say, hey, like, you know, I get value of this. I appreciate listening to the doc. Um, and if it's not your thing, then tune in somewhere else. Like, you don't have to create, you don't have to to criticize someone for being creative. Um yeah, which I would never do. So I've got kind of a big announcement coming out. Um, it's going to be on a show that's upcoming, and it's not going to be tonight. But it has to to deal with something related to the dock and politics, which is very substantial and something that is is already in the pro, in the works in process. So, but it's not going to come out tonight. I'm going to build up that show. So, thank you for everybody watching. Uh, thank you. We already have 16 uh, thumbs up. And I really haven't gotten anything uh, substantial here yet that I've been talking about. But I love all you guys. I really do. I I, I tell everybody, you know, I have such a incredible um, uh, people that I interact with. You know, Vanessa and Bacon and Bolo and, uh, you know, Robert. And honestly, you guys mean a lot to me. I mean, and Sass one too many. Um, I really appreciate you guys. And it's just not, you know, that I'm saying this. It, it's it's really sincere. Um, it's the reason that I have uh, committed to these uh, Monday night shows, that I commit to the Friday face validities, that I uh, respond to your posts in, you know, the the feedback or whatever, the, the chat areas um, of either this show or um, after the show's produced, what is the comments? So yeah, I mean, all you guys just make me better. I one thing I've 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 felt, and I shared this with my wife, is I said, you know, face validity Fridays have made me a better person um, to come in and to go through four or five headlines or articles or research or whatever, and then watch how all of you are interpreting that, and then I can come in and, and give my perspective and things, and we and we look beyond the headlines and also analyze the headlines for how accurate they are, things like this, but. I'm like, face validity is such a, a incredible skill that uh, f- that we're not taught, right? Nobody teaches us this, and we. Um, but once you start to to get reliable with face validity, you see it in everything, and then you other people who see you do this, they see you say like I observed and stuff like this, and face validity, they're like, oh my goodness, Vanessa or Armitage or Bolo or Bacon, they're like. That's really cool that they're doing that. And then they start to model their own behaviors after that. We have this ripple effect and more people tune into it. So, which is a big part of my new book, uh, The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times, which I guess I, I wish I could hold up to you. I don't have anything to hold up to you, but I do have a new two-minute intermission for this show. And also my good friend, um, Cody, uh, from... Uh, or my good friend Cody, I should say, is is creating a a inter uh, intermission <laughs> uh, entertainment video for this. So he's taking some of my previous videos and and editing stuff together, stuff like that. So I appreciate that he's doing that uh, because there there is an intermission at the middle of this for for you guys and for Doc, and he's doing that in an entertaining way. But right now I have the uh, the show, so uh, or or I have the two books. But let me show you guys this real quick. Um, so let's let's do let's do this um if this works at all 
There's a very slim. I watched the movie um, War Games. I don't know if you've seen that. If you have, please post. But pretty good. Matthew Broderick. I mean, really good, actually. Matthew Broderick. Um, and uh, yeah, so I watched it yesterday. And I don't know what that has to do with anything I'm talking about right now. But uh, so let me let me um, try to find this. Um, so hang in there with the doc. Doc's not uh, Doc's not losing you here. So um, we got a lot of stuff. I got got my notes over on another screen. I got three screens in front of me. What the hell is going on here? So this is insane. Your channel, your channel. Yes, my channel. This is my channel. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I don't think this will have audio, but I'm going to show you real quick. Like this is the new video trailer for uh, my book that's coming out April 11th, 411. So let's take a look at it right here. Um, this, if this at all works, which it might not, but it probably will. Um, so here we go. Okay, here I am. Okay, this is the trailer. It's one minute long. You'll see this, but um, yeah, I think the audio is cut out of this right now. But obviously you can read it, right? So um, yeah, this is an amazing trailer. This was released about 90 minutes ago. So uh, this will be part of the AP press release for my book. So really cool, right? Just a, this is really cool. I love the cover of the book, by the way, you know. So, you know, um, James David Dixon, reporter from the Detroit News, who was able to read the entire book, gave this phenomenal review for it. Just uh, incredible. So, yeah, as we go on here, you know, he's, the velocity of information will teach you how people have done it in history and the modern day and even in prison. There are teachable moments on every page. So what I've been doing today is I've been working with people who I'm sending copies, signed copies of the book out to, to make sure I have their address. So Bacon, by the way, you need to send me, you need to email me your address, uh, mailing address. So right here at the end. So really cool. Just the commercial is really great. Like, I love it. It's really well done. Um, so yeah, Bacon, get me your, get me your address so I can get a signed book out to you, my good friend. And then, um, I ordered a stamp, a an ink stamp, because I had one for um, School of Hairs, but it's pretty big. It was cool. It was pretty big and had like my Safety Doc logo and stuff like that. But I, I condensed it down and I ordered from the same company a stamp today for the Velocity of Information in blue ink. So if you get a signed book for me, like it'll have that stamp on it. And it's just, you know, it's really cool. And right. <laughs> Million years from now, it'll be worth something, but no, it's really cool. It's really cool. So, what we're talking about, first of all, let's look in the chat before we get into our, our stuff today. So, uh, Robert Ribbit Harrison, congrats, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. You've been uh, you've been with the show here for a long time, showing up in the chat. I appreciate you very much. Armitage, I'm saying I didn't control for Armitage. Come on, buddy. Come on. You're a good guy. Um, Robert Bacon is a good dude as well. Yeah, Bacon's a really good guy. Um, so I'm going to be heading out on this truck that is going to bring me out to maybe Salt Lake City. And I don't know if Bacon can make the truck to kind of meet me halfway. <laughs> I just, I can't, I'm, I'm not really going out any further than that. So I'll keep you apprised, Bacon, but I've got kind of this book signing thing going. Um, and, and it's, there are some restrictions on it though, because like I've, I've got like a smaller window of time to operate in. But nonetheless, Bacon, um, I'll be in touch with you. Um, I'm kind of congregating in that Salt Lake City, uh, but not now. <laughs> not, not when there's snow. Um, the Bacon said a bike for sale. Yeah, 
Yeah, I got that. Um, wow. So, um, Robert Roy, I used to, to bike messenger logistics in Manhattan for a few years. That's cool. Wow, that's really cool. I absolutely love biking. Um, I'm a complete biking enthusiast. I mean, I will take an hour to prep my bike for a ride. Um, I think riding is nirvana. I love the time in solitude. Um, I don't share it as much, but, you know, and in my book, I interviewed Nikolai Razvayu, the cyclist who, the Soviet cyclist who was uh, riding an hour away from Chernobyl the day after the disaster. But, you know, we talk just bike stuff a lot. I absolutely love biking. Um, and I'm blessed to live in a part where, a part of Wisconsin where it gets rural very fast. So if I can plan out my bike trips, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, I can be out in farmland. And I, I just, I, it's nirvana. It, and and I, it's crazy because I, you know, when I biked, um, when I was younger and I biked, it was mostly like around my town, right? I'm biking around my town. And now, you know, plan out an entire day trek of 100 miles. I'll bring in like an audio speaker and like podcasts I'd love to listen to and stuff like that and put all together on my bike. And um, I just do it because I, I love it. Um, yeah, it is definitely for fitness, but I absolutely, I absolutely love uh, biking. Uh, so, yeah, to be out eight to 10 hours a day biking, um, there's nothing like it. So. I'll do some special shows on it this summer. I've got some cameras that I'm going to attach specifically to the bike and some mic stuff. So, you know, it's, it's good quality. So, but right now, like what's outside of my house is it's like, it's minus seven degrees right now. It was three for the high today, minus seven. And then the snow doesn't melt. So it's just snow and ice on the roads. But the thing is like, although that sucks, right. And it sucks to be outside. You kind of get used to it. Like you're like, yeah, this is the way that it is this time of year. And actually driving on it, you get used to it too. It's just at night, like the black ice stuff is really dangerous. Um, but as much as it sounds like it sucks, and it does, like let me not um, dispute that it sucks. And it's 55 degrees down here. And thankfully a wool sport coat keeps me going in my fireplace over here. My electric fireplace, my, my heat, my house is heated by firewood, right? <laughs> so that like I stoked it before the show. Um, but yeah, this sucks. So like it's three months until summer and then, or not summer, but until I can really get out and bike. Uh, but anyway, uh, Vanessa wrote, this is for School of Airs. The book is a must read for every taxpayer. It really is. And when I wrote this book, it was, I knew I was coming, that I would never be a school administrator again after reading this book. Although I, I question it now because there's so much of a demand and I'm competent. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a really good guy, right? But when you write about this and say, yeah, like the whole thing, you know, schools manipulate the school safety stuff and customers perceive value and all of that. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the book has, what, 45, I think right now, reviews on Amazon. They're all five stars, uh, some from uh, doctors, some from school administrators. And school administrators, board members contact me from all over the world and say, like, your book is an easement into a very tough discussion. And that's what I wanted it to be. This is an excellent book. It absolutely is. And uh, the last of information will not disappoint. It is a terrific uh, follow-up to the to School of Air. It's not a school safety book, but, oh, my God, is it a great book. Like, I love it, even though I'm forced to review it. Like, every week on these different proofs, like, read through 209 pages. Um so yeah, our good friend Bacon Mildeo. So I don't know. Bacon, we got to meet up. We got to find our friend Nick Shoelander too. Our ham radio buddy. I enjoy the late night shows. Insomniacs need good combos. Yeah. 
Uh, thanks, Vanessa. Uh, people do almost anything or bacon. Gosh darn it. I, I, I was going to get a bacon uh, cheeseburger today, but then I didn't get the bacon because I just knew they would they would thin out on it, right? They're only giving give you one strip and fold it over or something. Vanessa, it's as close to the community as I can get. Yeah, I appreciate it. Andrew, hey, buddy. I plan out where I buy Mountain Dew and Doritos. God, I could go for a, a family-sized bag of Doritos right now and a Mountain Dew. Actually, I have Mountain Dew on the other side of this wall that it, not the wall you're looking at right there because the other side of that is just dirt. But the other side of the wall that I'm looking at, there, there's Mountain Dew over there. So, um, yeah, my doctor's like, hey, like, you know, Mountain Dew, Doritos and things like you could you could eat more healthy. I'm like, I could, right? I could absolutely could do that, Doc. I get it. But I'm 50 years old and I bike 100 miles in summer. I, I can kind of like get my, get my health like back to normal from – April to October and then you hit Wisconsin winter and then it deteriorates and then you have to rebuild yourself. So I'm like, I get it, but you know, uh, whatever. So I love Mountain Dew. I love Doritos. Gosh, darn it. Andrew, I am. Uh, now I miss both of those. I have a shopping list down here below because tomorrow I'm leaving to doing uh, shopping and uh, I need to put those on the list. Uh, Vanessa wrote in good community service. It is bacon. Absolutely. Does bacon count as a troll? Bacon's not a troll. Bacon's a great guy, right, Joe Dolio? I don't know, Joe. Is uh, Lake Michigan going to freeze over or not? By the way, I mentioned um, the state of Michigan a lot in my book <laughs> and uh, Governor Whitmer's um, attack, I guess. Not attack, but her, her, her challenge to take down uh, Barber Carl Mankey is right away is, is centered, you know, in my book in the first chapter. So, um, and I sent that to Carl. I'm like, here, look at this, which he thought was pretty cool. Carl, by the way, has the absolute most awesome name for a 77 or 78 year old. I don't know how old he is right now, but, um, but, uh, Barber, like he has the most awesome YouTube name, which I can't give out, right? Because it's a contest, but it's, uh, it's just cool. So, um, Vanessa certainly will add my comments to, to thanks. Yeah, I mean, I actually deleted that comment because it kind of irritated me. I mean, like if you have an actual critique of something, but if you're just coming in to, to defecate on the show, then don't do it. Because like this is a, it's work to put this together. Like I do, and you guys know this, I do a seven to 800 word blog post with this. Everything gets leveled in audio. Everything's on video. And it's there's some learning component to this. Right, which we're already what 28 minutes to and I haven't gotten to, but hey, it's Alex Patino. Alex, our good buddy, finally I'm in the house. Thank you, Alex, very much. Thank you, buddy. Um, Sass wants to make good evening, a bunch of dockaholics. Sass wants to make you know, Sass, the cannonball run would be very dangerous this time of year in my area, just for the fact that all of the side roads are just packed snow and ice, <laughs> so <laughs> there's very little reaction time. You'd have to have very high grip tires, which would actually decrease your speed. So it's kind of this, this tough decision. But uh, we have two vehicles. We have my vehicle, which only I drive, my Buick LaCrosse, which is, you know, my 300 horsepower front wheel drive. And that thing is just horrible on snow. I love the vehicle, but my God, on snow, like it is, you have to crawl with that thing. Um, and then we have our new vehicle, which is an all-wheel drive SUV, which is much different. You know, but that's really my wife and my daughter drive that vehicle. It's not mine. I guess it is mine because I paid for it. But um, so yes, yeah, so this is this kind of thing, right? Like, but uh, but yeah. 
Uh, hey, Shelly Rogers, Shelly Rogers. Welcome, Shelly Rogers, to the show. Um, so, yeah, I think Shelly Rogers is a friend of School of Airs, if I'm not mistaken. Shelly, does this look familiar? If not, it should. School of Airs, rethinking school safety in America. By the way, I, I, I teach a university, well, I teach university courses in spring and fall. And in fall, I teach in person, and in spring, I teach virtual. And in my spring class, I did a 10-minute intro video where I cut back and I'm like, okay, like here's my expectations for class. Here's the syllabus. Here's actual class as it appears in the virtual format. And uh, the university was just thrilled with that. They contacted me. They're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, I can't believe like you did this. I'm like, I do this all the time. I've done this like the last 10 years. Feel free to share it with others. Like, it's just Camtasia, which is like, I don't know, 100 bucks or <laughs> whatever. I'm not that sophisticated, but... Um, but you know, I, I make it kind of fun, you know, hopefully for my students. So Robert's saying, Hey, don't forget to hit the like, like button. And he's right on. He's like, you know, you do me uh solid here when you do that. We have 20 likes already. And again, it's, it's, I need to get up to 4,000 hours to get monetized. I'll tell you guys, this is the honest to God truth. If this show ever gets monetized, I am going to use the money, whatever YouTube cuts off the top of it and things like that. I'm going to use the money to um, buy books, School of Errors, and Philosophy of Information. Donate them. That's what I'm going to do. And to donate them to libraries, I'll you know across the country. I'll you know do a, a. I have a list of web search and you know places, and I'll be like, hey, like here's my. Uh, you know, I'll call them up. Would you like a free book that is from a you know publisher and hard copy and I'll send it to your library. It can be part of your collection. And here's like the link. If you want to learn a little bit more about it, um, that's, that's honest to God what I'm going to do folks, believe it or not, believe it or not. I am uh, sending out $1,000 worth of books to personal friends and people who have contributed to the velocity of information. Yes. I'm sending out $1,000 worth of books, meaning that I am literally paying my publisher at my reduced rate. <laughs> Like I get a discount on all of my books. I'm paying my publisher $1,000 to get X number of copies of my book that I am sending out to this list of people who have contributed to my book or who are close friends or who are, I believe are uh, important to the uh, school and community safety environment and just overall. Um, it's worth it to me to do that. It is so, and to, to stamp it, to personally sign it and to give it to you so that was one of the things I did today is I was emailing people. I was contacting people to say, hey, I don't have your address. Give me a postal mailing address. <laughs> you know, and some some of my friends, you know, they're kind of protective of that stuff, right? And I'm like, you're right. I'm not, I will never share this with anybody else. Like, it's not on a shared server or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so I actually, yeah, believe it or not, I will spend $1,000 of my own money to send those books, I will donate um, about $400 worth of books to area libraries, including where I grew up, um, with nothing in return, right? Um, I am signing those, I'm taking those, I'm donating those. I'm donating about $400 worth of hard copy uh, books. So I have this whole list put together. It's my privilege to do that. It's my privilege to give back. People have been generous to me throughout my years. Um, all of you, you know, Bacon Wiz Division, uh, Shelly, Vanessa, you guys have been great. And so many people have just been um, wonderful to me to help me to, you know, have this show, to get to where I've been, to leave reviews for School of Airs, like, which is so important. Thank you, everybody who's left a review 
for schoolers. It means so much to me. Thank you. Um, but it's really a give back moment for me, and I am honored to do it. So people might look at that and say, oh, my God, like you're crazy to spend $1,000 of your own money to you know sign books and just send them off and pay postage to like people. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's one way to look at it. But, I mean, it's an honor for me. It's an honor for me for the people who, you know, especially if I mention them in my book, if they've been in a chapter and so forth and say, here's a hard copy of my book. And, yeah, uh, it's stamped and you have it and, and I signed it. And I just want you to have this. I'm thanking you. Um, so anyway, like it's, it's really an appreciation and especially the libraries in my area. Um, I've been reaching out and contacting, they're excited, you know, right. You know, we'll do different library events and things like that. And so I, I want this to be all about you library, whatever you can gain from this. Um, I will donate some books to, you know, if you have an author event, I will appear for author, um, you know, book, re book reviews, book studies, things like that. I'll do all of that for free, you know, just so you're, you know, for your libraries. I'll do that for you. Um, as I said, I want this information to get out there. So, um, yeah. Uh, Joe Dolio, I almost uh, would count. <laughs> Here's a good friend of WizDivision. Hey, thanks, WizDivision. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I am doing very well. Um, it's been cold here today. So, you know, again, another three-degree day. And although the, that is very cold, you get used to it in Wisconsin this time of year. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, January, February, <laughs> you just got to deal with this. And then you move on. Um, the weird thing is that no matter what the city puts on the roads for salt or sand or whatever, like it, and I actually will take ash from my fireplace because every two days I need to empty the ash out. I will take ash and I'll put it out the end of my driveway and onto the road to try to give some traction. And I live on top of a hill, so you know, it kind of gets a little dicey at times. But um, but it's just the cold is limiting. Like you just can't do as much outside, right? So that's the thing that kind of sucks. But I'm doing well. I love you, love you guys. Thanks for being here. Bacon and Shelly Rogers. Uh, Doc, what headphones are those and how much? I, um, I don't know exactly. They weren't that much money. And I did look these up on Amazon before I ordered. I've had these like three, four years. They're really good. I love these headphones. So I will try to look that information up and print it or put it down, Andrew, in a comment after the show. Because I can just go back and I can find them. So um, let me see here. It's L-Y-X-H-A-S Pro. L-Y-X H-A-S 30. L-Y-X Pro H-A-X 30. These are extremely comfortable. Um, I listen to music through these two. I've had them about three years. And like I said, they're maybe like 70 bucks. I don't know. So they're well worth it. Like I, I like these. I like these headphones. They don't do anything crazy like light up stuff, but has, yeah, it just plugs in through the regular like headphone port, I guess, down under here on the mic. So they're good. Um, but how are the watch hours doing up? So this is a good question. So the watch hours are at about 1700. And as disappointing as that is, the problem that I'm running into is from January to August last year, I wasn't producing content. I wasn't releasing shows. I was focusing only on the book. So um, I appreciate what you're doing and please continue to do it. Watch hours because as we get further into the year, the watch hours will pick up because the watch hours were substantial in August, September, October, November. But, you know, between now we're getting into a time that 12 month span of YouTube where it's going back to like, oh, January, oh, February of last year where you didn't have many watch hours, which is really on me because, again, I wasn't 
doing much with the channel. I was doing everything with the book, the velocity of information. So please continue to do the watch hours because we are going to get that point. Oh, and Sherry is going to be excited where the doc is going to be like, hey, we, we've crossed 1,000 um, subscribers. We're at 1,100, 150, and it continues to grow. Thank you so much. Um, so we've hit that. The only little thing in, in YouTube is like you don't have 4,000 hours of view time in 12 months. So I need to get there. So thanks for doing that. Like I know you listen in the background, in the foreground, in the side ground, the angle ground. You're doing it. So I appreciate it very much. Um, this is our good friend, Phil Henry from Germany. Phil Henry, hey, staying up until 3 a.m. in Europe makes you watch this kind of show's best infotainment. Phil Henry um, sleeps about one hour a day, um, and he is the uh, embodiment of the show Groundhog Day. So, uh, yeah, Phil, um, a combination of Mountain Dew, Sprite, and a monster drink, and he's ready to go. And a couple burritos. Uh, he's ready to go. He's all caffeine. He mixes a coffee in with that. Uh, he's all ready to go. Phil Henry, our security expert from Germany. Thank you so much, Phil. And Phil, by the way, I do have a new show. Not new show. Oh my God, big announcement. But I do have a new, you know, the new book, right? And I posted it before, but the trailer's out for the book, um, The Velocity of Information. Really excited. The trailer released tonight. So if you go in and check the Safety Doc YouTube, you're going to find that trailer. Just really excited. Like, it's, <laughs> when you start on something and it really starts out as just an outline, it just uh, maybe a page. I'm like, this could be a book, maybe. And then you start to outline it more, and then you meet, you know, not meet, but you you have a discussion with a publisher, and the publisher's like, okay, like do the whole book proposal. Which sometime I'll get into that when the velocity of information releases. And I will go through and, and tell you what, what it's like to do a book proposal, which is like 15 pages long, and you have to read other books, you have to compare and contrast how yours is different, and you know why publishers should go with yours. Um, it, you know, this is the whole process then of how you, and then you're writing, and then you're editing, and then you know, a citations editor and graphics, and how graphics have to scale to the six by nine you know, layout of the book and then how you do commercials and then how an AP press release works and how you work with Am Amazon and Barnes and Noble and how you tour the country with a book and stuff like that. I mean, it's been an education um, for me. Uh, it's okay. all, a lot of good stuff, like not all good stuff, <laughs> not all good stuff, but I say like the stuff that hasn't been good, I've been able to work through. Um, you know, which is usually like, you know, like there's strange formatting that happens on an image or something like that. And then you're kind of like, I need it to look like this. And the publisher's like, no, it needs to be like this. And I'm like, well then no, like it has to be like this. You go back and forth. Um, intermission for the bathroom break. Not yet. <laughs> so by the way, man against man says, I do have somebody, um, who's, who is gifting that to me, gifting it to me. And he's been putting time into it. It's really cool. And is gifting me the intermission. So, yeah, the intermission right now is, for today will be uh, back to back. It'll be two minutes long. It'll be the commercial for, or the trailer, I guess, for the velocity of information, then the trailer for School of Airs. Two books, which you should have. Um, but yeah, uh, best uh, don't, uh, a best move, don't play. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Hey, remember what uh, Joshua wants to play? Yeah, well, Joshua wants to play war games. War games, right? Am I correct on that? Like, um, war games. So, Man Against Masses. So, let me get into, um, I like the intro. Uh, well done. Oh, thank you uh, very much. Um, 
So um, multi-dimensional bagels. Yeah. And I did a really cool thing with uh, the velocity of information is I started out with bagels for people who follow my work. And then I switched it to an inner tube on a river uh, because I, I thought it, it could create some more relatable experiences for readers. And I think I did it very well. <laughs> and, and to do that transition. So I was excited about that. Um, but yeah. Uh, it, yeah, actually, Toy Town, you can go in right now on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, places to sell books, and the book is available for pre order. So it's out there. And I would say so the book is available in hard copy, paperback, and ebook. The best value is going to be paperback, right? And that goes on sale from time to time with paperback. I know it's $35. Like, I know it's a lot of money. I'm not, I don't set the price for this. The publisher sets the price for this. The book is international, right? It's in, it, this book will be in hundreds of libraries, if not thousands across the world. Um, and believe it or not, I don't get much for royalties on this. I take the lowest royalty option I can. I take the lowest, lowest royalty option I can on, on audio so it can get out in libraries because it's not about the money for me on the book. It's the, it's you get the book, you get to enjoy it. That's what it's all about. I'm not lying about that. I am completely not. Um, I want you to have access to this book, but um, you know, the, so this, like, why is it $75? Well, libraries purchase it. Universities use this for a textbook, right? So that's where it comes in as, as that, but yeah, go in and it is well worth it. Oh my God, the graphics, the work that I put into this, the, uh, what you'll get out of it. It's phenomenal. Uh, Bolo wrote big bagel equals good. Hey, Embossing stamp. Um, I've been making stamps for the printing then embossing leather. Wow, it's really cool. Yeah, it's not an embossing stamp, which I thought about. It's just it'd be a little hard to do on a six by nine book. It's a good point, Vanessa. It's actually um it's a it's an ink stamp and it's in blue ink. And it's and for those of you who have signed books for me from the school from School of Airs, where I have that professional stamp made, it's the same company out of Ohio that made the stamp for me. But it's a little bit smaller. It's a circle, and it and it says something like "this is you know, signed by the author." Author, and then it's philosophy of information. But it's blue ink, and then you know it's signed underneath. It's really well done. It's just it's different. I had a really I the thing was when I would be at, at author events, it was it was difficult to do the big stamp because I had to line it up very carefully on somebody's book. So if someone buys a book from you, right, at an author event like Barnes and Noble, and then they're like, "Here, you know, please sign this." Be like, sure. But then, like, I don't want to mess up the stamp. Like, that's got to be exact. And the stamp was so big, like, it took me too much time. And it, it would kind of, it was okay. And for those of you, again, who have it, it's really cool. Like, right. And the work, artwork was RJ Jones. It's customized. But this will make it faster when I do author events where I can, you know, do the stamp and then, you know, sign the books and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Um, Shelly said, I work from home. Let me know when I'd be down for travels. Um, let me know I would be down for travels. So tell me more about that. <laughs> or are you responding to somebody else? Hey, it's our good buddy, John Rice in the place. John Rice.rice.com.net.rice. Hashtag rice dot rice. Um, so yeah, tied it and the dogs in the middle of a field goal extravaganza. Wow. Yeah, did you catch that uh, LA Raiders and Chargers game the other or last night? That's crazy. Like I thought it was going to end in a tie. A book signing around the country, I could drive out to it. Wow, Vanessa, that's cool. I will be coming out to Pennsylvania at some point. I'll be coming down to Salt Lake. I am adding a a section on my webpage where people can order a signed copy of either either the Velocity of Information or School of Airs. Like, um, 
the philosophy of information obviously is the book that's coming out april 11th so that's the one that we're putting a lot of energy behind um but i am having um somebody help me uh build that of what this of what it looks like so you can go in and use paypal credit card whatever and then i need to obviously get a stock of books and so i don't know what the price is right so if you buy a paperback for example for 35 it might be like 39 dollars and that would include shipping out to you and, and a signature for me and then like a note like do you want it do you want me to pick something like i just sign it with or do you want like a specific way that i sign it <laughs> So, like, Shelly Rogers, you're completely awesome. Best person in the world. Your friend, the safety doc, which I would sign. But then just let me know. Uh, Shelly wrote, just got an e-bike. So, yeah, very, very cool. And I saw the e-bikes are taking over the big cities. So, uh, I'm not against e-bikes. I'm just like, my bike is really, my bike is a 100 mile an hour, or not 100, 100 mile trek bike. So, it's really like a work meal. <laughs> I load that thing down and... And it's got bags all over it and stuff like that, and and uh, it, which is great. And I've had it rebuilt several times, uh, but that bike isn't going to win any speed races. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so is MKJO in the house? Yes, MKJO. Welcome, MKJO, very much. Um, I bleed the dew. God, yeah. I love Mountain Dew. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't, right? Like my doctors be like, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do Mountain Dew. You shouldn't do Taco. I'm like, I, I know, but also those are really good things. So too bad. Um, Joe Dolio says, it's likely to freeze. I don't know. I'm Martin Kaminsky. What's up, doc? It's cold, but uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Martin. So intro, vi intro video for classes FTW. Yeah, Shelly, if you go in and check like my not safety doc name, but my other, my authentic name, <laughs> which isn't hard to find. So I'll just say David P. Proden, right? So it's David Proden, um, which is right here. So, um, but if you check that out, you will find my university. I don't know if they're lectures, I call them fireside chats, but also my intro videos, which I think are awesome. Like I have 10 minutes and a third of it is, Here's what to expect in class. Another third is like, here's the syllabus. Another third is like, here's the actual class. And and the people at university are like, this is amazing. You know, like I shared it out with them and, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like it's not that hard because it's Camtasia, but um, I like to have a little bit of fun with it, a little bit of audio effects, a little bit of video and stuff like that by like 10 minutes. So students, you know, aren't overwhelmed with it. Uh, Google Maps has a site, uh, map out your walks, recycling routes ahead of time. You can... That's, that's cool, Vanessa. You're right. I need to get into that more because usually at the end of the day, like I don't really know exactly. I, I can't go back and trace my trip. I'm not doing it in real time. Although I bring in like battery packs so I can recharge my phone if there's an emergency. But um, I, I usually just bike things ahead of time. Right? I shouldn't bike. I don't bike things. I drive things ahead of time if I'm not familiar with them. So I know where I'm going. Um, and then I also know if I have to like stop in somewhere for like, you know, water or bathroom or something like, well, bathroom is always, <laughs> it's not very, it's not very hard to get to, right. It's just a forest off the road, but, um, but yeah, I will usually do that, but I would like to, to have like a map of where I go. I used to have this whole like system where it would measure like your heartbeat and things like that. But I just found that was kind of ridiculous and I can kind of do that on my own. Uh, maybe doc is a, fa I don't know. Like people have said that to me, right, Joe? Like I've, I get more of that. 
Um, you'd be surprised if you knew what's happening here with the Fed in the next three months or less than three months, um, the doc. Um, and yeah, where one of my email addresses might be. So, but no, I'm not a Fed. I'm not a Fed. Uh, SAS, I can vouch for the doc. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had some abrasive um, situations in the last, in 2021 was a very, what I would call abrasive year for me. Uh, it was, I wouldn't say it was necessarily bad, although there were bad parts of it. Um, yeah, but it was, it was an education, uh, one fed retirement and working on a state level and second fed retirement. So, oh my goodness, Vanessa, uh, so cool. Um, man, I guess masses that's safe deck. What are your thoughts on school safety officers, actual police position, in our town 3,800 has one at the junior high school. Is it, it's not uh, like there's a history of problems there. Yeah. You know, the thing is with that man against the masses, so I don't think it's so much about preventing or responding to like a school violence event, but I do think the uh, school safety officers today can play a huge role in informing students, for example, and I'm just saying, I teach, you know, university classes, we talk about this, in, in instructing students, you know, if you are emailing uh, in, um, inappropriate pictures of yourself or sharing um, nudity pictures, right, with other people in school, which happens quite a bit in schools today. Here's the consequences. Here's the investigation. Here's what this looks like. And, and here's also, like, if it's a minor versus an adult and things like that. Like, I've, I've had to talk with uh, school administrators where they're like, you know, here's a, a student who was sent a... a picture of his 15 year old girlfriend he was 17 this is you know whatever and now it's he has to register as a sexual offender so these things are uh when you have school safety officers and they can educate students to kind of their interface with social media um i think that is very very helpful um but yeah so i don't know i've always had a good relationship with uh, uh police liaison officers in school districts as a school administrator. And, uh, but I think it's the part of where they're educating them and also the interface of how that child interfaces with the law at different ages. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, so, well, let me get into it's first of all, Opera Lemonton. YouTube is fake. DT got like 5K not views on his last stream, but that video was set back 500 views. The other is mysterious. So I don't. I have to follow D, DT again. I was so sad when he left his morning show. Um, yeah, I've had weird things happen. I mean, I, I tracked it for a month. Like every day I would track how many subscribers to the channel, how many view hours, and then how many watch hours. And, and it never made sense, right? Because I'd be like, oh, I just had a great show. Like 15 people were watching and it was three hours long. And, and then like, you know, the next, you know, two, three days, my view hours would drop by a hundred. I'd be like, what the world is going on here? And subscribers seem to go up. Although like now I hit 1,160 and then it dropped back down to 1,150. So if you're watching the show and you haven't subscribed or you have people, you know, who can subscribe, please do that. So the, the real thing is like a threshold, right? You get to a thousand and then if you get to 4,000 view hours, but I don't know, it's really weird. I, I, you know, people are, were emailing me, contacting me and stuff and say, don't worry about it. Like it kind of levels out over time, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not that I'm ever going to make a living off of YouTube, but 
you know, at the same time, you don't you don't want to feel like the the system is working against you. And as I said, if there are ever the super chats in this, I will use that money to buy books and donate them to small libraries across the country. Got my word. Armitage, I'm not a fan of the cold, but living in Colorado has taught me the trick of beating it. Spoiler, the trick is dating bigger women. <laughs> Armitage, that's, that's funny. So, you know, I am i don't like the cold. I, yeah. And living in Wisconsin, I don't know. It, it seems so, like, weird to say, oh, you live in Wisconsin, but you don't like the cold. Yeah, I don't. I don't at all. Like, I live... But there is this weird effect that you you experience here in Wisconsin. At least I do. When it gets to be March or April and it's 50 or 60 degrees, it feels like it's like 80 or 90. Like, it's incredible. It's this, whoa, and the snow melts away and the grass up here and things like that. It's just it's so uplifting. I mean, the months of, of April through probably July for me are the best ever. So, yeah, it's just really cool. Um, so, hey, like, we did have a show topic today, so uh let me get into this so the question so i was interviewed by national media by the way let me let me change this up so we get the show title here uh so does all right back there okay so um today's show this was interesting. I wasn't I wasn't going in this direction um, until I was interviewed, I don't know, sometime last week by somebody out of um, a major media you know station, right? contacted me and said, we've we've experienced a lot of murders, uh, youth against adults, youth murdering adults in our area. And you know, your you know, like, you know, presentations on PBS, your work as a school safety expert and, you know, youth violence expert, like, we want to interview you and we're doing this like documentary and stuff. I'm like, it's cool. Like, it's all good. So it was a good interview and I they're interviewing other people, stuff like that. But, um, but we got to a question and I didn't know quite how to answer it. So the question was, do sports keep kids out of trouble? And I was like, yeah, uh, the research here's what the research says on that. So this is interesting. So as face validity, if any of us were asked, you know, Hey, like kids participating, you know, like, you know, elementary, junior high, high school kids participating in sports, does that keep them out of trouble? I most of us would probably say, yeah, you know, if you're in sports, you're less likely they'd be in trouble. Or, you know, if you violate the code of student conduct, you're going to get kicked off the team. You don't want that to happen. But the reality is like, the the research, the meta-analysis, multiple research studies. So you look at multiple research studies and draw conclusions. And then I also looked at several research studies. So I spent a lot of time into this. And the conclusion was that um, ultimately um, participating in sports, right, as a, as a youth ages 6 through 17, um, did not decrease your likelihood of participating in violence against others. So, and, and it's kind of weird because, right, it doesn't seem like it should be that way. It seems like, oh, if you're participating in sports, you're less likely to participate, you know, be, be exhibiting violent behavior toward others. So it's one of these things where when I was talking about it on the interview, 
right? Which is a big interview. Um, I mean, when this comes out, you know, this will be big media and all this stuff. And was, I don't know how they'll cut it and stuff like that. It's a good interview, though. It's like an hour long. But I mean, which will cut down to like a couple minutes of my content. But um, but basically, you know, the question was like, well, how do we how do we defeat this? How do we counter this where youth are being very violent and especially like toward adults, toward authority figures and killing authority figures? And uh, and one of the questions came up and it was like, how about video games? Like, you know, because kids are playing video games. Like, yeah, no, the video game um, supposed correlation or causation to violence. Like that's been debunked a lot of times. There's actually a study uh, or there is a book. It's called Grand Theft Childhood. And if if you ever would check that out. Um, so now, you know, it's been out there for a while, but um, I can type this. So here's the book, Grand Theft Auto. So um, basically, two researchers at um, Harvard, um, Professor uh, Kuttner and Olson, said, no, if you play violent video games, you're not more likely to engage in violent acts. So, And that kind of put an end to it. I don't know if you guys remember, like, Dee Snyder, like, we're not going to take it, Twisted Sister, being brought in before Congress like 20 years ago or 25 years ago to testify saying, Hey, does rock music, you know, make kids more violent? No. So, um, that was one of the things that I'm like, you know, I'm like a lot of people tell you that, but it's really not. So like, don't, don't go down that because it, it will make your story look weak because those of us in the research community, I guess, which I'm part of like would say like, that's been well debunked, but the question came up about sports to saying, you know, should we have more more kids participate in sports? Should we invest in more sports things for kids? You know, more fields, more soccer fields, more whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. So here's the deal. So um, I was researching this because I, I, the research says it doesn't really make a difference one way or another. There's not a, a strong causal argument saying, hey, Dave, if you play sports as a high schooler, you're going to be in less trouble. So, or you're going to be you know, less violent. It, the 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 data doesn't support that. It doesn't say you're going to be more or less violent. It just says there's not really there's not a relationship there. Those two things aren't related. So yeah, are you going to be more physically fit? Yeah, maybe. I mean, all these things like those things there's relationships for. But as far as like, are you going to be more or less violent if you play sports? There isn't a relationship to that. There's no st statistical relationship to that, which there seems there should be. Like right. I would have guessed it. I would have, I would have completely been like, yeah, there's, there's a relationship there that if you're in sports, because I would think people, kids playing in sports would say, I don't want to violate the code of conduct because then I might not be able to stay on the team. And if I can't stay on the team, I'm not going to be able to try out for this like college team, and maybe make the pros, but it doesn't really exist to that level where statistically you can put your hat on that. So actually, so the participation in sports has been decreasing. So let me put this up there. From 2008 to 2018, like I have three monitors in front of me. So you're like, where's Doc looking at? Who's he looking at? Is there a ghost in there? I'm like, there could be a ghost in here. There could be a multiple ghosts in here. If you see that, let me know. So people have emailed me and said, or posted, there's like, there's ghosts, there's, there's spirits things in the background. I'm like, as long as they leave me alone. So, um, but if they start to be aggressive during the show, please let me know immediately. Um, so, um, but anyway, about 60 million, this is per the National Council of Youth Sports, about 60 million children and teens from the ages 6 to 18 participate in organized sports. Each year, 73% participate in one sport. 
and you know then more or uh, less participate in multiple sports. But those numbers are complicated. From 2008, 2008 to 18, Aspen Project Play found that the participation rate of kids between 6 and 12 dropped 45 to 38% due largely to increasing cost, time commitments, competitive nature of sports. Statista reports that um, there are 50 million kids in the U.S. from 6 to 17. So basically, like, um, it seems that the participation in sports has been decreasing over the last 10 years. And I guess if you look in the last two years, it'd be really, that'd be really hard to analyze because with the shutdowns and schools going remote and stuff like that, but saying kids are kind of backing out of this. And the reason is it's getting more competitive. It's a lot of time and it costs a lot of money. Yeah, I get it. Okay. So that's one thing. The question though, I'm really asking is if you participate in a sport, are you less likely to commit harm to somebody else? Are you less likely to be violent? And again, the research says, yeah, we can't correlate that. We can't re- we can't create a relationship which is weaker, correlation which is stronger. We can't create, it's not there. I've gone through many studies on this, which have been very thorough, meta-analysis and individual studies. And it's like, no, it's not there. So you can't sell it to somebody of saying, if you participate in sports, it's less likely you're going to go over and beat someone up, right? Not saying sports are bad. I don't believe they're bad at all. I believe they're great for physical fitness, for coordinating, you know, managing your time, stuff like this. It's just like you can't use it, though, to say if you participate in sports, it's less likely you're going to be involved in an act of violence. So um, let's let's take a look over here from um, the the chat. And it was uh, I, our Jim, Jim McIntosh, our good friend, is in the chat here. Heather Williams is also in the chat. Uh, I'll get to Jim in just a second here. Um, Right here, Jim. I think what sports may lower violence, such a track and field. I no doubt. Just my, yeah, I mean, it would, I would say, Jim, like I would have the same reaction. Face validity, it would seem like that would lower violence. Um, Heather wrote, uh, Me or my sisters never participate in sports. Who kept us in line is disciplined for my parents, my exes. My bro- his brother did not participate in sports, may have had jail, drugs, alcohol. Yeah. So uh, street fighting, bolo can be a sport, winners and losers, but is street fighting in the Olympics? I don't know, but you're right. So bolo brings up a really good point, which we'll get to later. Like what counts as a sport? Because this has changed significantly. So as I'm going through the research, I'm looking and saying, yeah, there's a problem here with the research. There's a problem with the research. So um, it depends on age, I would think. So, you know, it was really crazy. So, um, I'm going to get into, so I'm going to pull out the the research. We're going to talk about it. But the first thing we're going to do here is get to our, we are one minute or one hour in. We're going to get to our intermission. And our intermission is two minutes. So stick with me, folks. It is the trailers for the new book, The Velocity of Information, and also the trailer for um, School of Errors. But I need to, to find it here. Where is it? Okay, it's right here. So do not leave. Do not leave. So whoever, Jim McIntosh, Bacon, Martin, keep people in here. Do not let anybody leave. I'll be right back in less than two minutes. Here you go, everybody. Uh, Doc will be right back. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? 
Dr. David Perodin clarifies human behavior during days, weeks, months, or even years of chaos. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, The velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. The velocity of information will teach you how people have done it in history, in the modern day, and even in prison. There are teachable moments on every page. Buy The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. A must-read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, a brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. And I'm back. Hopefully you love those as much as I did. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm excited every time I see those. I'm like, hey, we'll do books that I wrote, man. Come on. Um, so, yeah, the question is, does participating in sports... Um, as a youth, right, make you less likely to participate in harm to self or harm to others. Statistically, that uh, cannot be proven. So now you could look at that, right, if you're an advocate of, of youth sports and say, well, that's ridiculous, right? Like, there are so many benefits of youth sports. I'm not arguing that at all. Like, I believe there are benefits of youth sports. You know, fitness, time management, working with others, um, you know, goal setting, all those things. Like, that is there. That definitely... But to say that, you know, participating in youth sports decreases uh, participation in youth violence, that is not there. As a relationship, which is a softer statistical um, area or a correlation, which is a stronger statistical area. So um, now there's something I want to bring out in here, which I didn't find in any of the research. And I think it's very, very interesting. One is e-sports, electronic sports. So, like, no one is talking about this. And people just think about sports. Like, when I was a kid, you know, sports, traditional sports, right, was, you know, baseball field, you know, football, stuff like that. When I was maybe, like, 12 years old, 10, 12, 11, 12 years old, a block from my house was the city baseball diamond. It was this, you know, they had a snow fence as the outfield, and the train went through, like, the snow fence. It was really, like, crazy. Like, it was a small town, like, 1,200 people. And in summer, uh, by eight o'clock, you'd go up and, and my friends would be up there and the country kids would like come in all together and like, a, you know, some person, you know, mother would drive them in, vehicle would stop everybody, pile out of this. And you would use your base, you know, if you had a glove, maybe not everybody else did. So when you were up to bat, it's like you'd share a glove with people. But um but yeah, it was really organic, right? So, you know, we think about sports as being, 
um, baseball, volleyball, you know, basketball, things like this, but not esports. And here's the thing. Let me read this off to you because I think this is amazing. Like I did some research on this and I didn't know about this, that esports, for example, electronic sports, video game sports, um, one, there are entire complexes being built so people can come in and attend, participate in these things and watch these things. And there are actual states where their athletic associations now are including esports. So I think there are some really awesome things with this. And I think these are some game changers, which nobody is researching. So let me start to get into this. So I've got my notes here on the left. Like, why are you looking on the left? Is there a ghost over there? I'm like, there could be a ghost over there. I'm not, I'm disruling that there's a ghost over here. I'm not disruling this whole house is haunted. I'm just saying, I have three monitors in front of me. I'm looking right here. So esports, uh, this is where things get interesting. There's not one study on esports that I found when I was going through this and in a possible correlation or relationship to violence. For example, saying, do kids part who participate in esports, are they more or less or not at all like change, like likely to participate in being the authors of violent events? But anyway, esports. Um, so uh through generating i'm just write read what i already put up i'm going to put this in a blog post but so generating controversy over whether the pastime qualifies as true sport esports has exploded in popularity in recent years by the way like when i was in college i was so darn good at john Men football i think i could have beat anybody but anyway in a 2019 forbes article by bob cook bob at least seven state high school associations are offering esports at a varsity level, and more will add it. Even states without official varsity esports run state tournaments, and prizes can include scholarship money to one of 115 colleges and growing, fueling esports teams, and in many cases, offering scholarships to gamers. Complexity Gaming, a professional esports organization owned by Dallas Cowboys owner and youth sports investor Jerry Jones is building a training facility at the Cowboys headquarters. And that's per the star in San Francisco and uh, Frisco. I've got a link that I'll put out in my blog post to it. So, so this is amazing stuff, right? Nobody's talking about esports, although esports are rocketing, right? And some states are actually saying like we have our esport competition for athletics and all this, where you know you think about hey, we're going to state in basketball or football or volleyball or whatever, softball. And it's like now we're going to state in esports uh, for whatever you know it could be these you know these these sports or it's like you know drag racing or whatever like esports which is cool. So no one has looked into this as and so I said you know what there's four areas there's four areas um, that we need to look at these are called constructs and let me get to those in just a second. So Vanessa wrote ACDC's music causes crime back in the day they would say it's, they would. So um, back about 25 years ago, Vanessa's completely right on this. Congress was doing uh, subpoenas like Dee Snyder of, um, what was it, Twisted Sister, bringing Dee Snyder in and and grilling Dee and saying, hey, like your music is causing people to be, you know, kids to be violent and stuff like that, right? Like that was the big scapegoat, big low-key, L-O-K-I, low-key, which we've talked about before. So, um, yeah, uh, so, yeah, um, the question is, if I was, if I was to assemble a research project, so I'm a researcher, right? 
it's kind of weird because I don't associate myself with the university that much. <laughs> the reason is it's good for them and it's good for me. Like we have a great working relationship, but um, but I'd never want to to tie if there's any controversy here with what the doc says or anything like that. I want to I don't want to rope the university into that, so we kind of keep that that distance. But um, what does this mean for research? If I was researching today, somebody said, Doc, here's four million dollars. Or as I say, Bacon Maldito money is what they usually say. If there's John Rice money, if there's Bolo money here for you, Doc, there's $4 million. And we want you to research um, youth violence. And if kids, youth that play esports, men, football, so like that, which I ruled that, by the way, um, what, what would you want to, how would you put that research study together? What would it look like? I'd be like, here's what it looked like. One is I would I would have what, these things called constructs, right? Constructs. Constructs are your main themes in research. Constructs, what you're trying to figure out. So I'm going to tell you these four constructs. The first one is badges and incentives. So the fact that as you play a video game, you earn badges, right? You earn incentives. You've reached this level. You are now, you've reached your tenacity badge or whatever, whatever, whatever. Video games are very well put together with keeping you interested, right? Kids will play video games for hours because of the badging system. So what is the relationship between badging system and then also, um, I guess, violence, right? Like, is there a relationship that the more badges, the more incentives you get in esports, the less it would be for violence? So th these studies have never been conducted. Like if someone wants to offer me $4 million or $8 million or whatever, I'm willing to do it. But um, so that'd be one. How about the badges? Because we know that that works. Like we know video gamers design those up very well. Um, because like kids, so kids don't be like, this sucks. This game is horrible. Like, you know, and then they just drop it and then they never come back to it. That's not the case. Like there's a strong psychology of badging. So um, the second construct so again, a construct, and I'll post it right here. So it's something, this is a term to get familiar with. So whenever you get a survey in the mail, I, I got a survey from the Arbor Day Association, which was just garbage, by the way. I just burned it. <laughs> I literally burned it tonight in my fireplace. Um, Arbor Day Association, but there's constructs in a survey. And the constructs are trying to understand, it has like maybe four or five main points they're trying to get to, and then maybe they'll have three, four questions devoted to each construct. So the constructs are like the underlying things. So like badges and incentives. So I might have like three questions associated with that. Like um, what are badges you've received? Um, do badges motivate you? It, will you work harder for a badge? Will you work to maintain a badge? Like can sp spread these things around. Number two, social etiquette and moderating. It's weird because like I've seen people put in their bios like right now, I am a professional chat moderator. That's what I do. And by the way, moderators, everybody with the blue wrench, say bolo and bacon. I appreciate you guys. That's one too many. I appreciate you. Um, but there are, so the question is social etiquette and moderating. And we found, and this is the work of um, author Sean Dickers right here in the work that he's done. Um, we found that as, as people are put into these roles, right, they, they get very good at it and working with multiplayer games and stuff like this as, as moderating. People also moderate themselves, will tend to moderate themselves very well. So I guess I'd want to know 
if you're participating in games that have um, moderators, are you less likely to participate in violence? Author, I guess the terms I use is author or recipient. And these are kind of research terms. Are you the author of violent behavior or are, there, are you the recipient? So one is badges incentives. Two is like, um, I want to re research social etiquette and monitoring to see if you, if, if this makes a difference, if you are put in a role of monitoring, moderating others, um, if that has an impact on violence. I don't know. I mean, but this is what you research. Like, this is what you find out. So it's very possible after the show, somebody will contact Doc and say, hey, like we have $45 million and we want to study like this stuff and you're the guy. And I'd be like, okay, then it's Heather and John and Bolo. All those are on my team. You're all getting a cut of a million dollars. Um, but this is interesting because again, like I'm a researcher, right? And I'm also like the doc. So I'm pretty, I'm straightforward with you, right? Like, and I'm like this, these are areas that need to be researched because as traditional sports are fading, right? And people are saying, oh, like, you know, sports are all, it's dissipating stuff. Like, yeah, it's not really true though, because esports are rising. And there's some really good things that are coming out of esports, and maybe like esports will have an Im impact on violence. I don't know if they will or won't, but like, here's what you have to research: like, you can't just research softball or volleyball as it traditionally is. You have to include esports. So, one is um, do badges and incentives decrease the likelihood that uh, youth would participate in violence? Two is social etiquette and moderating. If youth are already like moderating other youth, like, hey, like you can't do that. You got to be in timeout for 90 seconds. Like you guys are doing over here at the Blue Wrenches. Does that decrease the likelihood? I don't know. Like this research say. Number three, instance of delinquent or violent behavior compared to non-sport youth. So, I mean, you're just looking at other kids that don't participate in these esports and saying, okay, so if you participate in esports, are you less likely to be violent than kids that do not participate in esports? Like that would be a logical question biological study construct, right? Number four, and these will all be in the blog post. Number four is instance to harm to self or others compared to other overall youth population. So basically, if I participate in esports, am I less likely to be cutting myself in, in or making threatening statements toward others? So like you could measure these things. They would be constructs. It would, I mean, this would cost money. Like, But again, this could be done. This could be done. Like, I know how to do this. Like, if the right amount of money was put out there, I'm just saying Vanessa, Bacon, John Rice, Bolo, how much you guys want to contribute to this? I don't know. But really, no, if the right, uh, Jim, the right amount of money was put out there, these could be measured. Now, I think this is an exciting time because esports are not being considered um, for their impact, possible impact on contributing to or mitigating against youth violence. This is fascinating to me because actually esports e have been pretty popular since 2003. Like as I was researching this, I'm finding like entire leagues, you know, people who are paid thousands of dollars. This is their full-time career, like filling up 10,000 seat arenas to watch these esports. And I'm like, this is amazing. And yet it's nowhere in the research. So as, as much as the research will say, sports participation is declining in youth, I'd be like, I don't think that's true. So this was the problem I ran into with my interview on this national you know, TV show. And I said, the, dad, the, the research will say that kids participating in sports 
there's no correlation or relationship. A relationship is weaker. Correlation is stronger. That they will participate in violence. Meaning that if you if you're playing sports, doesn't matter for violence. Like might matter for fitness. All that stuff doesn't matter for violence. I'm just like I don't know. And, and this is where I, I I was very strong in saying th there's a huge research gap because maybe there is a relationship, maybe there is a correlation, and we've just kind of dismissed these esports. And I'm like, they're exploding, they're all over the place. And I said, there's other parts of esports which we're missing. If if you are a student who uses a wheelchair, you can't play on varsity basketball, right? You just can't. You'd be you wouldn't make the cut list. The fact is, though, if you were participating on an esports basketball team, you could participate. Um, as far as transgender youth, as um, uh, non-binary youth, and so forth, and, and racial and things like this, the fact of the the evolution of esports um, creates a real leveling of the field in these areas, which no one is talking about, right? So I think these are amazing areas like Title IX, you know, like you have to have so many sports for females and males. Like that was Title IX. And as a school administrator, I remember having to fill out reports. <laughs> how many sports do you have for females? How many for males? How are you making these aware to females and males? How many participate? How many gets caught? All this stuff. But I'm like, the esports thing changes that. It really doesn't matter if you're male or female or if you're identifying as other than male or female, right? That doesn't matter in esports. So esports has this incredible leveling effect to it, uh, which no one is talking about. Inclusion, right? If you're a student with a disability, student with cerebral palsy, a student with uh, paralysis, partial paralysis, student with autism, and so forth, where you would not have made the cut criteria for certain sports, you would make that criteria for esports. So these are exciting and amazing for me, especially a professor who teaches non-discrimination and, and, you know, people services, non-discrimination courses. I'm like, this is really cool. Like, this is exciting. And the fact, too, is there's this big concern of, like, you know, most youth that participate in sports drop out by the time they get to be 20, right? You're not continuing on playing basketball, some league or volleyball or something like this. You're just not doing it. But if you're participating in esports, you, you typically would continue that into your 30s, maybe 40s, maybe 50s. Now, of course, like people watch us be like, yeah, but esports, like you're just sitting on the couch, like you're eating Doritos, drinking Mountain Dew, and it's not doing anything for your health. Yeah, maybe, right? Like, right. But what, what does esports contribute as far as community? as far as getting to know people, moderating, setting goals, and and we don't know yet. This is so new, and the research is so new. So that's when I was speaking with this national news reporter, and we're having this conversation, and, and she gets the point. She says, what about, what about sports? You know, sports has been, do, should kids be in more sports? You know, or should sports be more accessible to kids? Is the fact that kids are, it's expensive, right? If you're playing in sports, you got to play for the the training and the cleats, you know, for the sports and the like apparel, all stuff is hundreds and not thousands of dollars. I'm like, interesting that you say that because, right, traditional studies would say if you're an athlete, there is no statistical rela relationship, which is weak, or correlation, which is stronger. 
that you will be less likely to be the author of a violent event. So I'm like, that's true, but we're missing the whole esports thing. Nobody's studying this. And I said, I, you know, that's growing. And the fact that it looks like sports participation is declining, I said, I don't think that's true. I think sports, if when you include esports, is is stable or it's increasing, right? We don't know. But it's one of these disruptive forces, right? It's where people before 2000 would, if you ask them what a sport is, they would never cons consider an esport as a sport. They'd be like, that's not a sport. Playing a video game, right? That's not a sport. Even though people make their living this way. Even though, and in schools, for example, as a school administrator, you have to say what you're going to do after high school. And you cannot say, I'm going to be a professional video game player or a professional YouTuber, right? And a YouTube influencer. You can't say, well, if you say that, it just counts as basically a failure for the district in that. And that's something I argued against very vehemently, too. I'm like, it's different these days. Like, students could graduate at age 18 and completely make their living as a YouTube influencer or as a video gamer. That is viable. I mean, the argument used to be 20 years ago that if students say, like, I'm going to make it to the pros in the NFL or something, that'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, we need to have a secondary plan because the odds of doing that are like one in whatever, you know, 200,000 if you are playing varsity or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think these are very viable things. Schools aren't ready to adjust to this. Um, but I know people, like, I know at least three people right now who make their full-time income off of YouTube. And it's not a, it's not an income where you can just get by. It's an income where they're doing pretty damn well, but they're also very well researched in this. They're producing quality content. Um, I'm not talking about only fans type stuff. Um, I just don't want to get into that. I mean, not the same, but whatever, but I'm just saying these are people who are content producers in other areas. Um, so this is interesting to me because I, I brought it up and this person wasn't ready for that answer who was interviewing me from the major media, right? And I said, you know what? This, the the statistics, the, re, the existing research will tell you that if you're in sports, you're not less likely to participate in a violent act against others. But I think that's incomplete. And I'm not willing to, to back that position of, of dismissing that, of saying, ah, sports, yeah, sports, but it's not. So there's more to it in this whole esports thing. And I said, as I'm in research, and maybe, maybe there is this whole thing with esports, esports community, the ability to interact with others in a virtual community, the social skills that may require. I don't know, but it's fascinating because I don't, I don't quite, I don't know this. So I pointed out, we'll see if it makes a final cut. So I guess the point of what I was trying to get across in you know, with this whole thing, do sports keep kids out of trouble? The statistics, the research would tell you that no, um, there's no positive or negative correlation. Basically, like if you participate in sports, you're probably just as likely to get in trouble as if you didn't participate in sports, right? <laughs> That's what the studies would say. Um, but now with esports, I don't know, and no one is studying this. So it's kind of interesting. So I brought that up and so I have some links out in the blog post. And I mean, I think this would be a fasting study. If anyone is ever doing their dissertation on this, wants to interview me and say, hey, doc, like, let's talk about dissertation stuff. I'm doing my dissertation on esports 
and how kids relate to that and how school are adapting it. Like you'll soon have state championships, you'll trophies in your trophy case in your school. Like we're the esport champions in golf or volleyball or street racing or whatever. I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's bad. Not at all. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, and the, and there's this thing. So like down in outside of, so we talk about the AT&T, I don't know, dome or complex in outside of where the Dallas Cowboys play. Like next to that, there is this esports arena, which was built and people like fill that thing up to watch people compete in sports. And there's like these arena teams and they're are in my state. Also, they are in my state. Also, it's pretty cool. Um, and as I said, like looking back at as a younger doc, looking at me 25 years ago, like for Madden football stuff, like I could have probably been an esport competitor. Like I was that good. Um, so the, the, the thing is like not to dismiss esports because I think they're not only here to stay, they've been here to stay since 2003, but now there's this commitment Again, arena is being built, leagues being developed, and the fact that you're not only competing against people in your conference, but people around the world. And is this good or is it bad? Like, read the, the research of Sean Dickers and how people kind of collaborate in these things, and how people kind of uh, are able to use their own ability to moderate these things. I mean, look at YouTube, for example. Look at what's happening right now. There are many of you, Bacon, John Rice, Bolo, Vanessa, you have the blue wrench. You are in this role of moderator. Now imagine like you're in your teenage years and you're having to make these judgments and things and moderating others and, and regulating what is appropriate conversation, what's, what is contributing to conversation, what is just, you know, outrageous or degrading to the conversation. Um, these, are, these are critical things. They're not being researched. So it's pretty remarkable. So anyway, um, also like esports and inclusion. If you're a student with a disability, 15% of, of youth in America have disabilities ranging from, you know, uh, wheelchair users, students to, to autism, to, you know, so on. Um, esports is a, is leveling the field, right? If you are using a wheelchair, you might be able to participate in wheelchair basketball, but you're not participating in varsity basketball. You're not going to make the cut. But suddenly if we have esports and you are a wheelchair user, you are going to, possibly make the cut right so it is more inclusive i think there's some really awesome things that come out of this so um you know that that was really the thing and right now this spring i'm teaching a class in pupil services and non-discrimination and one of the scenarios i'm going to present to my students is saying hey like your school district wants to you know some students have presented with you to you and said they want to have an esports team and your state is is considering this as an athletic association. Like, what role do you play in this? And what does it mean for non-discrimination? Maybe, you know, again, students with disabilities um, who wouldn't be able, or students with economic restrictions who wouldn't be able to participate in some of these sports because it costs $1,000 just to get the equipment. Um, I don't know. Of course, there's this whole other argument of, of well, it, it's not the same, right? Like if you're sitting down in front of a computer or whatever, it's not the same fitness level. Yeah, I get that. Like, I get that. But I'm saying there are, esports are here to stay. They're not, it's not anywhere in research. Like I'm doing these research studies. It's nowhere there. It's, it's just defunct. It's this vast wasteland. There's nothing out there. 
and and that will be like people start to research these things and i'm trying to lay out and say like here's how you should research these things and uh i think it's pretty exciting like i've actually been motivated to maybe buy like my a new gaming system <laughs> and just myself like kind of get into this after i've done the research so let's get over to the chat uh thank you guys so much um this is from alex Alex Costello, good from Alex. As someone who has complete, competed in a video game at a very high level, I can say that it does give a similar rush to competing in traditional sports at a level. Yeah, right? So, and, and this is where some states, their athletic associations are accepting esports into, you know, that you can go to states, right? Da -da -da -da, where they're esports team. And maybe like, 30 years ago, we would have thought that'd be ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous today at all. Um, so, yeah. So, um, Armitage, what is the value of achievements once you've got them all or once you move on to another game? Literally anything is a better use of time. Yeah, that's a good question. I I think the more that... So, I think part of like what video games are is the networking of video games that you can participate against other people from all over the country or all, all over the world um, and strategy. And I guess you'd have to really break down. This is Armitage. I think a good study would, would do this, which we don't have. Like, what do you learn from participating in these, these games against other people? And then like, you know, from around the country, around the world, like what's your strategy? What's your practice? What's things like that? And um yeah, and then it's yeah. How so? How do you how do you interact with them? How do you, what's your strategy? And I don't know. It's good. It's good. But yeah, if you're just if you're just playing a computer. By the way, when I was in college, my roommate Vern, uh, we played a a sixteen game um, NFL season, and like we, my friend Nate and I, we Nate Vern and I, we lived in uh, the same apartment building, and. Uh, and we'd have to help help Vern just to beat the computer, you know, like be like, oh, come on. Like the computer's up like 17, 14 against you. <laughs> like, let me take the controller. Like you've got to make the playoffs here, buddy. Um, so yeah, Vern, come on. Um, so Vanessa wrote math clubs can give the same competitive. Yeah, right. You're absolutely right. Um, Fortnite is a free download. I wonder if they are observing my pattern. I don't know. Yeah. My daughter plays Fortnite. Um, like crazy, just like all the time. My my oldest daughter played Minecraft, and she used to make notebooks. So we'd give her these these three-ring binders, and a couple of days later, she would have them completely filled up, and she would do like all of the directions on how to create like a village or something like this. It was amazing. Um, but yes, uh, that whole spatial, and then like kind of connecting up with other people in Fortnite, and um, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, so Martin wrote, comatose and David people aren't violent. Or, oh, not David. Comatose and dead people aren't violent either. True, Martin. So um, this reminds me, I was reading a headline of uh, one of my friends, Morgan Rogue, from Rogue Preparedness. And it was how to, I don't know, how to prepare for something. And I thought it was how to prepare scotch. So I was like, this is interesting. I'm going to tune in this show. Like, I don't know how to make homemade scotch. And then I reread it. I'm like, that's not scotch, something else. Uh, the cost is free to you. Gun websites. Thanks, gun websites. Gun websites, by the way, like 
this guy is really into it. Like he knows how to timestamp things and how to do metadata and providence like nobody I've ever seen before. Sometime I want to have you on the web, uh, the show gun websites, because just in watching your show, like, you know, this, you've got it down. Providence is the order of which you document things that happen. So like this happened first, second, third, fourth, this person, this angle, whatever, whatever, but you do it really well. And as I was watching your show just a day or two ago, like, you would timestamp, this is what happened, this was the decision, this is what happened. I'm like, that's really like um, what I do for, um, what is it? Um, basically kind of simulations, right? Like where I would work through with people, but you really have it well done. So computer clubs as well, you're right on. Go to websites, exactly. Um, Armitage, free if you don't count the value of your time. What? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can time suck these things down to anything. Um, you have to be really aware of that. Uh, how much time are you? Per and again, like it's not a substitute for physical activity. And that's the point I want to make is if you're physically participating in sports, yeah, like the correlation is there, not relationship, but the correlation that your health is stronger, immunization, respiratory, things like that. So obviously, if you're like doing video sports, it's not going to be necessarily the same correlation unless you're doing things in addition to that, getting out, being active in nature and running and stuff like that. Like the video sport itself will increase things like hand-eye coordination, cognitive decision-making, frontal lobe timing, stuff like that. But it's not going to make you more fit. So, right. Um Sastro, I think Doc is going to take down the sports ball industry. <laughs> I don't, you know, the thing is, Sass, which is, by God, back when I was in my 20s, like, I was almost unbeatable in Madden football. I remember when I was in college, when I was 30 years old, picking up my uh, master's degree in school administration, um, there was a rumor that there was this kid around campus, right? His, like, 20-year-old kid who was, like, the best at Madden. And, you know, you should take him on or whatever. Eventually, I did. It was a packed dorm room up in UW-Superior in Wisconsin. And I defeated him. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm like, I, it was strategy. I had the Saints. I don't know if this was the year, maybe 2000, 1999, whatever it was. And I beat him. It was like the first loss the guy had in years. So just saying, it was phenomenal. There's no video evidence of that or anything like that, but it did happen. Uh, Martin wrote, um, I made level 19 in World of Warcraft. Took 10 months. Not as satisfying as when I sighted my own house through my own bathroom in two months. Yeah, right. So this whole thing is like, are we moving to the metaverse? What is going to be virtual versus what is going to be authentic? Um, and what's going to be the combination, right? I would say, like, any experience I've had in athletics, right, it hasn't been as great as I got a 100-mile uh, bike ride. So <laughs> it's a good point. Um, range practice um, helps learning coordination math from Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, Bacon wrote to Armitage, it's more of a problem with society, not video games themselves, or really the vice. So, yeah. Video games, you know, can be very sophisticated, right? And can and be very, you know, where you're presented with several instances where you have to evaluate what's called um, simulated annealing your options, make a decision on what's going to get you to the next level, make a decision at that point and things like that. So, um, 
and, and you know, hand-eye coordination and video games and elderly, you know, people and you know things like this. And, and um, so, so I think this is a fascinating area which has been kind of dismissed for years until like right now. When I got to that question with that with that reporter, and I'm like, here's what the research says, but I don't think the research is complete. And a reporter's like, well, tell me more, Dr. Proden. I'm like, well, here's what I think. And usually, like, you don't want to make that split. <laughs> you want to be tight with the research. You don't want to be the person that splits off from hundreds of research studies. But I'm like, yeah, there's this isn't telling the whole story, right? There's more to this. So she stuck around. She was with it. I still can't wrap my head around uh, parallax. I don't know. I don't even know what that is, Bolo. So I'm hurting so bad. Jim, take care, buddy. Um, Armitage to, from Bacon. People make the same argument about porn. Nothing wrong with it unless you're trying to replace it with the real thing, then you have a problem. Yeah, I guess so. I haven't thought of, I haven't tried to wrap my mind around that comparison, but yeah. Um, teaching classes in the metaverse, Vanessa. Oh my God. Like I, yikes. Like it probably won't be that far out there. Um, you know, I teach fall university courses online spring or, or fall in-person spring inline online since 2003. And I can't imagine, but I don't think it's far off Vanessa that there will be courses in the metaverse, right? That I will have to log in as my own avatar and other students will be there and it'll be synchronous. I don't know how you do it asynchronous, but um, holy smokes, that's crazy. It's probably, I don't know, three to five years out there of teaching in the metaverse. Whoa. I don't know. This sport coat better make it. They can digitize the sport coat. Oscar de la Renta, 44 regular. Yikes. Um, wow. I didn't think about that. It's cool, though. Like, Vanessa, that is a great dissertation for a university student. What you put right there, that is spot on. I mean, that is spot on. I would love to see somebody take that as a dissertation. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Um, Bacon, I would definitely make the same argument. Before. Whoa, okay. Uh, virtual reality, let's do things most people would never be able to do, such as DCS, which I mentioned earlier, when we'll be able to dogfight in fighter jets. Yeah. It's, it's kind of going that way, right? Uh, Bolo, uh, parallax is spinning of the globe, right? I don't even know. I don't have time. I I, I, have, I don't have the resources to like research it. I don't have this stuff behind me. So I'll have to look it up later. But whoa. Um, Vanessa wrote, teaching math virtually before the range visit and then actually doing it physically at the range. Yep. Uh, Jim, I wish I could unscrew my left knee and bolt in a new one that doesn't hurt. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, bacon. Um, to Armitage, then you're attacking the symptom, not the cause. Take one away, and I'll simply choose the other. So, this is from Andrew S. Andrew said, Mass will be required in the metaverse. It's interesting, right? This is another terrific research study. Andrew, although like you probably didn't think about this as a research question, but this is a very relevant research question. When you get to the metaverse or reality games, would you expect to see people represented with masks in those games? This is a great question. You know, you could ask game designers, you could ask people participating in games and stuff like that. Like, would you anticipate that that would be represented 
It's a great question. It's actually is a great question, Andrew. Thank you. Now, this is from our good friend John Rice. I wish I could do that, but a whole body gym, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've gotten to be 50 years old plus, like there are parts of the body here which need to be changed out on the dock. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, when I bend down to pick up something and you know it's on the floor, I'm like, what else can I do while I'm down here? What else needs to be attended to? So um yeah, take care. Vanessa, can I use my internet connection to teach students virtually if all the students have the equipment and internet connections fast enough? You probably could. Like, Vanessa, this is a great question. And I've never seen anything on this, but whatever. Like, what would be a, like the metaverse type school three to five years out, right? What would that be like? And if you come, where would you combine that then with authentic experiences? And where would you not? I don't know, but these are questions which are awesome. Like Vanessa, you are writing right now. You are posting what somebody's dissertation um, proposal will be at some point in time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you are really smart. You're really on on top of this. Um, Jim wrote, I played a dogfight jet fighters game on Okinawa, Japan, circa 1990. Drew a crowd and won a cheap watch. Whoa, cool. Cool. Uh, Martin wrote, I am I am not going to live in the metasphere. I am a human with certain needs, experiences, pain. I don't want to be a blob of, of cytoplasm in a chair. So I agree with you on that. I would never want to substitute this out. There will be people in a, I think, in a frightening way, right, which will go for the Wally experience. Remember the whatever movie that was, um, which will choose that. Like, I always want to be able to take my bike ride, my authentic bike ride, where it's humid and sticky and the gears are clunky and there's, you know, whatever going on or pollen in the air and I'm sneezing and whatever. Um, I don't want to exchange that for a virtual. But, you know, something virtual, yeah, I... I've never been to Egypt to tour, uh, you know, some of the artifacts to do some of the things I, yeah, I don't know. I, so this is from a uh, South to surfaces. I love this. Whoa, doc. I think you meant show. So looking at your keyboard, I think the SW is getting close. Thanks buddy. Um, math courses can be taught at a range of safety and uh, effectively while students learn safety and skills. Yeah. You know, the thing is, Vanessa, and you're right on, Vanessa's tuned into this. We're not there yet. Like, all the measurement tools we have aren't calibrated to virtual reality, metaverse, online, things like this. Um, and actually, as a school administrator, you would receive things back to your school, documents from your state department of education a couple of years out, and say, hey, your student has participated or is enrolled in post-secondary education. Good. But if your student... There's nowhere in a post-secondary plan for a student to say, this student is going to become a social media influencer, right? That's nowhere in there. The student is going to, um, well, you know, whatever. Um, but that, but yet, like, I know three people that that's their full-time income, and they do very well at it. So the thing is, we're not updating our expectations. And we're also posing it as, oh, if you're going to be, if your goal is to be an e-sport e participant, like an e-sport, make your living off this, or a gamer, um, yeah, what's your plan B? 
And the fact is, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, like that's a plan A right now. I know a lot of people who understand the analytics of that and who do very well at social influencer stuff. Um, so it's interesting because again, if you put that down as your career choice in a school, when it, it, it's a, it's a loss for the school when it comes back to that school and you're not enrolled in a college, right. As a 20 year old, although you're making $80,000 a year as a social influencer or, you know, gamer or whatever, you're still coming back as a loss for a school, which I think is ridiculous. Um, that was stupid fun. I definitely walked away in a high feeling of brain chemicals. Yeah, Jim. God. I was, I was thinking back when I was in college, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool like to have like whole gymnasiums fill up with computers and people playing each other in Madden football, and then you have a championship and it's on a big screen. And I was ahead of my time. It's kind of I think like I would have made it. I don't know if it would have been a world champion, whatever, but I would have made it. Um, Vanessa Math courses. Yeah, got it. Um, Jim, Jim is right. I have a beer and a horse, a liniment CBD. The CBD is great. I have to try CBD. I haven't. We have many CBD places in town. I don't know. I I really need to try it. Um, I wish my math classes were all at a rifle range. Yeah, and they could be, right, John? Uh, BV Luminous. Hey, BV in the house. Thanks, buddy. You want to force me into an artificial world? No can do. Love the real world. Can we get? Yeah, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> right. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that to you, right? Was, a little zap here into the, the uh, virtual world. But the thing with, right, this transition though into e-world esports is happening. So it's not that it's a full transition. It's both transitions. Like when I was a kid, I loved playing video games. I had an Intellivision, you know, when I was 10 years old, playing that against my brother and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think it's this necessarily replacement because, yeah, then like they, that's crazy. Like we have an authentic world. Um, but that's good because, I mean, to me, like when I watch these commercials from the metaverse, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. The metaverse seems like it's kind of just like trying to create everything else in a different place, which is sanitized and controlled. This is from Bacon to Armitage. Lots of people, why people attack video games and why they porn. They're easy targets, not why people waste their time with them. Besides, if I never play them, I would never be number one at my job today. So... Yeah, like video games all just get a bad rap in general. Um, video games have you know been proven for hand-eye coordination. Um, video games are very sophisticated, very, very sophisticated from a research standpoint in understanding how to hack human motivation. It's like you know, when you look at Google, how Google awards certificates for building your you know virtual server and stuff like that, that's built off the video game industry. Video games have figured this out with people of how to hack motivation. It's not a bad thing until they get to this point of like, oh, oh, bacon, you didn't feed your dragon here in whatever video game. So you can give us like $15 and we'll have somebody feed your dragon until the next time you log in or something. Then it gets to be, uh, you know, it, it goes beyond that, right? Or they're, they're just trying to extort money out of you. But um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, John Rice, nice. I'm having a beer myself. I like the Delta Eight stuff. It's pretty good. I picked up some some uh, a couple of beers today. One is a Bach, which I have right over here. It's off screen. It's a toasted Bach. It's really awesome, by the way. 
I'm kind of like looking at this thing. I don't know. Is this seasonal? Because if it is, I'm going to be really disappointed when it's gone. Another was, uh, oh, um, I don't know, Lager. I'm not really a, a an ale person. Ale's kind of just not my style. Too light for me. Like, I'm a dark beer. But this Bach is really, it's really doing it for me. I love it. Um, Bolo. Video games help me 100% at my job. I love video games. One of there are two things I resent. One is giving away my Sega Genesis, not giving away, selling eBay my Sega Genesis video game system. Stupid. Never should have done that. The other is I had a a a flat screen TV from like 2010, which wasn't high def, but it was like maybe 20 inches. And it was perfect for video games. I gave it to like a relative, which then they trashed it. I should have kept it. It should be over here on the left hand side. I should be able to play all the video games I want. So I'm very interested in in getting back into video games because I just love them. I, I had a fun time doing them. And I, again, you know, I live, it's, it's minus, let me bring up the current temperature where I'm at right now because it is cold. It sucks. I'm not saying it's cold as in, um, you know, like it's, it's 30. No, let me, let me bring, I'm going to show this to you on share screen. Okay, it is minus five degrees where I am at right now. Minus five. That's what it, the actual temperature is without wind chill. Minus five. That sucks. Minus five. So, like, obviously, like to be able to play video games and things. Plus, you know, right hand eye coordination and whatever. Right. So, um, it's it's good stuff. Armitage uh, bacon because. Um, Without those two things, a lot of guys have to get off their asses and fix themselves. Yeah, right. I. It's a good point, Armitage. I mean, like video games and other vices aren't a replacement for your own professional and personal growth, right? Like I went through that in 2014. I got super fit, like super fit, and um, and now you know have you know I've written what two books, been on PBS twice, and you know it's professional things and having challenge and do these things and right like how much do you live in a virtual world or how much do you live in a real world and, and what amount of, of foot do you have in both these are good questions so thank you Armitage. um this is from our good friend andrew who would have predicted uh, 30 years ago the carlson school of management i <laughs> would have life coaching i don't know you know i think when aaron clary set foot in the Carlson School of Management 30 years ago. They realized this this is this is awesomeness that we're not sure what's happening here in the moment that it's something from above. It's something that we will recognize in later years, but this is this is a sentinel event for us at the Carlson School of Management. This Aaron Clary. And uh and yeah. And now it's really it's the Carson School of uh, or Carlson School of Management, which is needing to um, to cast its 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 fly fishing route and hoping to connect to Aaron Clary to then you know propel them forward off of his momentum. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know who would have who would have thought that. So uh, Fallout is pretty dark. Yeah, that sucks. Um, this is from Vanessa. With so many schools teaching online, we'll, we will eventually find that upgrading our systems to full-time online may be better than brick and mortar buildings. And the thing is, Vanessa, I think you're 
you're right with that. And I think we're not there yet, but once we get into things of, of much more of kind of a metaverse and and more like 3D-ish type things, there are there are many things like, right, as me, somebody who went to college for 10 years, <laughs> there are many things that could be done without having to expend the time on a highway and walking to campus and participating in other, other hoopla. So you're right on with that. I don't think we know what that really is yet. Um, and, and there can be very bad examples of online teaching. I consider myself, I mean, I've been teaching online for 20 years. And I consider I've gone through the early stages of Blackboard to whatever systems to Moodle and things like that. And I think I've, I've got a very good effective system down. But I don't have a system where I can be like synchronous in a metaverse with people, like which would be down the road. But so, Vanessa, what you point out here, this really amazes me because schools today, for example, when they pass these referendums and like, we're going to build a $120 million high school. I'd be like, but what is, is that going to really match what is going to be out there in three, four years? Like, is this going to make sense? Like, I don't think it will. I don't think we're going to have as many kids participating in high school or maybe middle school, like actually in person. I just don't I think we've gone beyond that. So interesting. Um, Vanessa, I recommend Dragon's Milk Stout. I'll make a note of that. So I needed to find a specific beer today because it was for a recipe that my wife is making. And um, I had to ask the dude behind the counter. He knew exactly where it was. It took me back into the, the beer cave, which when you go back there, you always have to like kind of like be on the defensive because I'm like, if something goes bad back here, it's only you and I, buddy. Like, I got to be able to get out of here. He's like, here it is. Here's what you're looking for. Some of the stout beer again. Like I'm a doc is a very dark beer enthusiast. Like it's kind of my thing. Um, so, Jim, I have only two video games. They are outstanding. They have many moral choices in them: Skyrim and Dragon Age. I haven't played them in a while because they're literally alternate reality. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of I, I like that that too. I, I was a big fan of the Oregon Trail back when initially it came out. <laughs> we we played a board game. Uh, Jim, get this. We played a board game over Christmas. We had a relative zero. Oregon Trail. They brought in the board game of Oregon Trail. So then, yeah, you have to make your decision for yourself or is it going to impact others? Have dysentery. So what happens? So um, this whole thing too, Martin, or Jim, is, is Jim wrote, you wrote, this gets into this process called simulated annealing. Let me write it down below. Simulate. Simulated annealing. Again, I'm typing underneath my microphone, so I don't know. Um, simulated annealing is something I wrote about in School Bears. Daniel Sana's book about the $3 billion school safety industry. If you don't own this, please own it. Buy it or go and email your library tonight. Like from where you live, email your library and say, hey, there's this terrific book about school safety and it's just how people should analyze things and think and make our community safer. I think you should have it. And they'll be like, All right, do you live here, sir? Or ma'am, miss, you say, yes, I do. Please order this. Then usually they do. So I can't do that because they'll be like, do you live here? Do you live in San Jose? Like, yeah, I don't. Well, then too bad. Um, but but you're right on. I mean, you, you're, you're right on with this. Like their video games can help home this simulated kneeling or understanding the options available before you and making choices. It's really good, Jim. It's really good. 
So, by the way, like last night, I don't know if I told you guys, I probably did. I watched War Games with Matthew Broderick, which was a great movie back from the 80s. War Games, Matthew Broderick. It's available free with ads on YouTube, although like there are very few ads. Very well worth it. At some point, everyone will want to live in the box, but the box will decide it, they don't need everyone. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, we're headed that way. Uh, John wrote, uh, my Tamagotchi and Gigi pets died. Yikes, you got to feed them more. BV Luminous, social relationships are important. Absolutely. And we have social relationships online. Like, I got to meet a lot of great people online that I have not met in person. Rob from Rob Says. Um, for example, you know, Vince, um, from masculine geek, like people I will meet on, I will meet in person. That is a point of mine in the next this upcoming year. I will road trip to these places and meet these people. Um, so yeah, these, these are important things for me, but if I didn't meet them in person, I still like feel like I've met them. Like I've got to know some community with them or some through some virtual um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, this is from Bacon to Armitage. Also recently found channels that made movies of the Homeland home world series, fantastic storyline, which is an underrated aspect of games. Many games nail that balance between it and play. Very cool. Um, Jim shinier Bach for the doc middle German beer. I can't, I'll, I'll go back and write all these things down. My local beer distributor is pretty, pretty good with this stuff actually it lives like two houses down from me. So, um, so yeah, I am, I am, uh, enjoying a lining cool toasted Bach, which is probably one of the best beers I've had. You know, every time they kind of do like those, it's a summer shandy. So they try to mix lemon in like that gets old pretty damn fast. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not I like lemonade beer. Like once you've had one, you've had all. I'm not into that, but this, like, this is really good. But now I'm also like, is this, this is seasonal. So I'm going to lose this at some point. Um, Armitage to bacon. I think some world, but even out of those that do not find another sink will accidentally find a marketable skill and a wife out of it. Okay. A lot to think about there. Yeah. Um, this is from our good friend, Robert Ribbit Harrison, who only runs zero-weight oil. If he could think of a negative-weight oil, he would. That might disrupt uh, the universe, though. I don't know if you can run negative-weight oil without kind of having the pole switch here on the world. But I don't know. I don't know, Robert. Let me know about that. I love zero-weight oil, by the way. Stuff is like just you put it between your fingers, like barely anything there. Zero-weight oil. Gosh darn, that's good. Back in my day, like 30-weight oil. Stuff so was like, like molasses. I'm zero way all. I'm still here, doc. Just hanging around, background doing laundry, getting my die cast together for my Hot Wheels club. Hey, it's really cool. Like you have the Red Wheel, Hot Wheels. I had a Hot Wheel I ordered, Robert. I'd be like ten or eleven. It was a carrier, and then it had like some fire engine or something. I had to order. It was like twenty bucks at the time. It was really cool. I still have it. I think it'd be worth money. I've never checked it out online. Um, yeah, I need to check out my Hot Wheels collection. It's on the other side of this wall. So it's an actual case. So um, this is from our from Sass One Too Many. We're talking about Hot Wheels. We're talking about Cannonball Run. Sass One Too Many, 148 miles an hour sustained in the greater Connecticut area. Um, yeah, Sass One. Sass wrote, I worked with and made friendships with hundreds of people across the country. I agree. Not everyone can do it. Yeah. 
I know I I'm, I consider myself to be a pretty pretty friendly person. Like most people I meet, I can become friends with. Like there are some people, <laughs> I just like I'm like I don't know, it's, it's, it can't happen. Like there's something this just won't work here. But most people, yeah. Um, uh, Bacon Robolo, I think it scores more like that, more in a fun way. Uh, oh my goodness, this is our good friend Walter P380. By the way, if you guys have not, got to run the banner here. First of all, thank you for the 24 thumbs up. Thank you for the watch hours. And um, if you can subscribe to this or subscribe, you're like, hey, I have 10 YouTube channels. I'm like, subscribe from all 10 of them or let your friends know. Um, we have kind of stalled out at this 1,150, which again, I'm appreciative because it gets us to a monetized point, but continue to share the show. There's a lot of great stuff here. This is episode 166. This will be delivered in leveled audio if you want to listen to it for some reason. If you want to uh, read the blog post about, you know, if someone asks you like, you know, well, kids in sports, like they're less likely to commit crime or violence. Like, I don't know. It's not really accurate. Like the research doesn't show that. Oh, of course it does. No, it doesn't. And then also like, well, what else? Like, well, there's esports. Like, like Doc talked about it. My gosh, Doc talked about it. Believe it or not. I am done doing ass jokes on YouTube. That's a good thing below. Like, there's only so much of that. Penn and Teller pretty much saturated the market with that. But Bolo, you're a great guy especially keeping us in balance there from the uh, greater Can Canadian region. Zero weight 16 is a new 20 weight 50. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like the new vehicle we have is zero weight oil. Like who would have thought that's possible, but uh, we'll see, man, we will see back in, back in my day, it was uh yeah. 20 weights, you know, was where it was at. So just these, these thin oils, it's just crazy. Exactly, that's why we should do a show together. I'm a touch. You guys go for it. Yeah, if you're ever wanting to be a guest on this show, please contact me. I'm very much up uh, for that. You got a post hole digger. Um, I actually used to dig post holes by hand. My family was ginseng farmers right down here. Ginseng farmers, if you want to look that up, I used to dig those by hand. So, um Let's go over here. This is from Jim. Used to run Castrol Syntec 5W50 in my old Chevy truck. Uh, C1500. Spendy. But let me uh, tell you, it's driving until I upgrade the oil pump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone, I, I like do maintenance like religiously on my vehicles, right? And so make sure everything is, is there. But yeah, I'm a big, big fan of uh, lower weight oils. Okay. I don't know, just kind of think where the doc is at. You're like, you're loyal, low weight oil. Okay, ginseng. I grew up, uh, my parents farmed ginseng. It's interesting to look, um, research that. We were ginseng farmers, so I would go out and work in the ginseng fields, driving a tractor, 12 years old. Pretty cool. Uh, yep, two is one, one is none, none for show. Absolutely right. Um, Vanessa, right now, I have two, I have postal diggers, so yeah. So I dug. I put a, a bat house, a bat house in back of my house, about a hundred feet at the end of my property. Because when I, when we bought this place, we took the backboard, there was a broken rim, like for basketball, there's a backboard and I took it off and I was like, oh, these bats flew out. A, so bats lived in back then. And it's incredible. Cause like the house totally updated, modernized. You would never know. Like it was this house built from 79. Like if you look today, it would look like it was built in the last couple of years, but I put this bat house hundred feet back on my property. And I took a postal digger. I'm digging down several feet. So like put the post down, then like concrete stuff. I'm bringing all well, those like pottery. 
And like, this is authentic, bring up pottery. And I talked to my neighbor who's like 80 years old. I'm like, what's the deal with all the pottery? He's like, well, you know, you live in the Indian, Indian Hills subdivision. And this stuff was all authentic. It was Indian pottery. This is like Winnebago tribe, like lived here, like right where my house is. And um, what I did is I just put it back in the hole <laughs> when I put the post in. I'm like, whatever. And I just put the concrete in, things like that, you know. The one I did, bad spirit stuff going never happened. But yeah, I, I was weird. I'm like, where is all this stuff coming from? So uh, crazy. Jim Rowe, I see, Z I see 0840 on the shelf in cars, European plan. Yeah. Yep. We were, I don't know, got the one 08, but seems to be going well. We'll see. We're going to take a trip out to South Dakota um, in the Black Hills. And that's where I think it's really going to show up, <laughs> right? Like, because I had my, I had a couple of cars I've taken out to the Black Hills and they've all kind of like not overheated, but like the heat gauge goes up when you're driving through the Black Hills and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of questioning that. So I'll do a fresh oil change before and I think we'll be okay. Um, but I'm not fully sure, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I can tell you one thing in a winter, like it absolutely is incredible here in Wisconsin. Like I used to have, I used to have, uh, oil pan warmers on my cars, like just always, like you always plug your car in, in winter in Wisconsin. Now I don't have to do that. So yeah. Uh, zero weight. So thank you, Robert. Zero weight. Uh, that ginseng is potent stuff. Not the amount you put in tea, but the root itself is. Yeah. So Armitage, we had, I grew up, my parents were ginseng farmers. We had an actual shed with dryers for ginseng. You know, we had the buyers that would come in and things like that. So I'm very familiar with the ginseng process, planting, uh, the seed, um, and, you know, weeding, harvesting, post hole diggers, the amount of shade that the ginseng would require. Really phenomenal. So, yeah, I did that, you know, from a little on. Uh, bacon, I honestly don't know how using a post hole digger rather than just use a shovel. Oh, no, 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 no. Postal digger, much different than a shovel, buddy. Much different than a shovel. Postal digger gets you the hole much quicker. <laughs> like a shovel take you forever. So, yes. Uh, Andrew. Doc, I know you can get YouTube uh, to instantly monetize your channel. Wear a, a mask for one episode and just tell everyone flying the girls they Oh my God, Andrew, that is so funny. So I'll tell you, one of the one of the the I wouldn't say problems. One of the things when I do Face Validity Friday is as I go through headlines, I I need to make sure I don't hit on pandemic or any of that area because it instantly gets flagged. The blue lines come up below, like, you know, please see this for official data. But then when I go into DuckDuckGo, like, the shows don't show up, right? They're scrubbed. So when I do Face Validity Fridays, and it literally takes me two hours to find four headlines, which I actually enjoy because I love all of you in that show, and I think it, it helps my Face Validity and my ability to analyze information. But I'm like, oh, and a lot of people will email me. Like, you'll email me great things. of saying, here's an article about this. And this. I'm like, yeah, I can't go there, though. I just can't go there because I can't I can't do a show for two hours and then have it, like, just vanish off of YouTube because it was a topic, which, uh, but you're right on. You're right on. Um, Andrew, uh, Vanessa wrote, I dug six, the six holes for the bench swings around the fire pit. Four foot each, six by six pressure tree at 12 inches. Awesome, Vanessa. Did you put some concrete in there too? So that's really cool. Yeah. Like I put concrete in my, actually my bat pole, 
bat pole I cut down with a chainsaw <laughs> because it, it what what it did is it didn't attract bats, it attracted bees. Bees would swarm on this thing. It becomes massive beehive, but I don't quite understand. So I'm like, I just got rid of that. Um, so yeah, it's gone now, but like the, the remnants of it still sticks up like six inches. I have to like move some soil around it because I tripped over it like a couple days ago. Uh, John Rice saying he's 20 weight, uh, 50 and 10 weight for firearms. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of uses for oil, especially garage springs, stuff like that. Bolo, I like that the hole is into the unknown. You never know. Who knows, right? Like, who in the world knows? I was watching the show, like, First Contact with, um, God, who in the hell was it? I don't know. Anybody know who was in that show? First Contact. Charlie Sheen. And that was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, I watched it today. So it's like 20 years old, but I don't know. It's only Miltech. Um, this is from our good friend Jim. I still live, I, I I still live for the clip for those. The smells nice. Yes. And red high temp grease too. Yes. Um, actually I have some dielectric grease because I service my air conditioner myself every year. And that is uh, 25 years old and still works great, but I have to use a dielectric grease. Dielectric grease, by the way, doesn't um, transfer electricity. It just kind of protects the, the area. So, but yeah. And there's this big like fuse you take out on the side of your house when you service your air conditioner because it's 220 volts so you don't kill yourself. So I have a relative who like does HVAC who taught me one time showed up and actually says, here's how to service your air conditioner. Like, so I'm like, okay, now I've got it. Um, so yeah, I don't want to make a wrong, wrong thing there. Doesn't ginseng. Uh, yeah, that's part of the marketing of ginseng. So it's very bitter to like, as we produced it, we never like used it, you know, like it, it always was just very bitter. The thing was, you wanted to get ginseng roots that would dry and still be large. And then also that would look like a human, you know, that would have a, a head, arms, feet type image. And usually the best bet on that was to let your ginseng grow as wild as possible with like less weeding, less chemicals, things like that, and then harvest it, right? Uh, we had one year where we harvested ginseng and I, it was just this phenomenal haul for my parents. I had this, this bag, like this paper bag of ginseng roots that was left over on the garage floor that I took to the ginseng buyer and he gave me like a hundred dollars. It was like back in 1980, for God's sake. So imagine a kid in 1980, a hundred dollar bill. It's amazing. So it's funny. My parents built a house in 1992 and they built this huge drying garage on this house for ginseng. And then they like farm ginseng for like one year and then they stopped. So say so like this garage, you could literally fit like five cars into and it has this, it's all heated and stuff like that. And it's really cool. Like, you know, whenever they sell this place, it'll be very marketable because of that feature. But they only used it for a year. They're like, yeah, we're done with this. Um, so concrete in each hole. And pull. Yeah, good, Vanessa. Yeah. So I did that too. Like the bad house was really cool. It's just never kind of, the bats never kind of caught on to it. It was, it was not in a good location. So like, I guess we were echoing to it as a bat it would kind of be difficult. So, um, but yeah, I can't imagine what it would cost. Like I, I got ordered this timber for it from our local, uh, wood place back in, I don't know, 2002. Back then it was reasonable. Like today it'd be completely, <laughs> Hey, you want this to be $2,000? No, thanks. 
Um, I'm on strike. No, Bolo, don't be on strike. Big another bees. So pick us on my Instagram. I don't have it. I guess I have Instagram. I just haven't logged into it. With herbal medicine, this is from John Rice. It's best to make complexes. I'd add maca. Where do you go? We do. I think there's a lot to that. Like I got to get back into that. When I get into what I call spring or my season to be fit, which is basically from April to October. And then I kind of let myself go and then to rebuild back into this. I was very much in tune to those types of th things. Um, this is from Jim. I love bumblebees and honeybees are great. So, yeah, I, and I often put honey into my oatmeal, especially when I bike, I eat a lot of honey in the morning. Um, this is from Jim, our grease and some dialectic effect. I don't know. Um, literally, I don't, there's, there's some grease, which just protects the connection from the elements. So it doesn't pass electricity. So I have some dielectric grease for that. Correct doc. It helps keep electrical services from collecting water. Yeah, that's what it is. So it's amazing. Cause like my air conditioning unit is 25 years old and so works great. And like I had a relative again in HVAC who came out and, and said, I'm going to teach you how to service this thing here. So like you can keep it running. I'm like, great. <laughs> but the person is like, here is a big fuse on the side of your house. Like that goes out to it. always take that out because like this would kill you. This 220 volts. I'm like, well, that'd be disheartening. That'd be end of my show. So then all you guys have to be like, do a tribute show to the doc and be cutting all this stuff together. So I fixed small fans of Vaseline before. Also use a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, no, of course you do Macintosh. I, I had I fixed something with uh dialectic grease and something really weird that happened on our, one of our bathroom lights. This is do some coke. Oh my goodness, Bill. I don't know about that. Vanessa, workshop bill with some greenhouse on second floor. Uh bacon to Saswin to May. Cheers, man. Have a good hey. It's a so Saswin to May is uh, heading out. He's on the East Coast. So uh Sas, thanks, buddy. Here's our cannonball run. He legitimately has done the cannonball run. I think at 148 miles an hour. It uh, was part of our show at one time when I had Sast on. So pretty amazing. Yeah, to uh, drive sustained at 148 miles an hour. So, wow. Um, my Buick LaCrosse, by the way, the, uh, the speedometer does go to 170. So... It's interesting, right? I don't know how fast that car could actually go. It's 310 horsepower. Um, so could it go 170? Well, probably not. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to test it, but yes. So wow. Wow. So this is Jim. In out and going to turn on furnace fan. I'm probably not be able to hear phone ever. Okay. Gotcha, Jim. Thanks for participating. Yeah, guys, thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, thumbs up here for the Safe Deck Show. Thanks for the uh, subscriptions. Your other channels, sharing with people, and um, yeah, greatly, greatly appreciate that. So that does help substantially. So uh, let's go back here to comments. Um, this is from Vanessa. I first saw the Rubik's Cube on a plane. Heading to Little Rock uh, Air Force Base in 1982. Yeah, I never cool Vanessa. That's cool. I never solved a, a Rubik's cube. I solved some other like things kind of similar to it, and I actually have like a many similar type 
games and act those those props that I've solved, but I never solved the Rubik's Cube. So it's it's cool. <laughs> they should have, like, right? They got a friend who actually like, took the colors off the things and repasted them. So um this is from Armitage. I never saw the Rubik's Cube, but I've broken a few good at puzzle games, just not that one. The horseshoe game, the ring around horseshoes. Like, by the way, let me see if I, I've got it. By God, everybody, I've got it. We're going to watch this in real time. It's like a pen and teller right here. This is horseshoes. This is from my my uh, uncle Carlos. So who has passed? Passed um, in 2013, in August, by the way. My favorite, it was my godfather, gave me these. And uh, so these are two horseshoes with a ring in the middle. So how do you get the ring out of these, right? How do you get the ring separated, right? All right. So he taught me how to do this, which I thought was awesome. So anybody know, like, right? So these are, the, this is heavy. Like, this isn't like chintzy stuff that you'd buy today. Like, this is, this is heavy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these off screen for just a second. Yeah, do a little magic here. Whoa. How did that happen? Like, right now, if you're a pen and teller, you're like, what the hell? What the hell? Who is this guy? Safety dog? You got to be kidding me. So no, this is an intact ring, metal, and these are the horseshoes. So how do you put these back? It's not working. Bolo, come on, buddy. Bacon, John Rice, come on. All right, I'm going to take this off screen for just a second. And uh, whoa. Back. How in the hell did that just happen? Can't be kidding me. Yikes. When I was on uh, my honeymoon in Vegas, like I uh, paid some magician to teach me some tricks, uh, card tricks and stuff. So that wasn't one of them. But anyway, like that thing, those held up over time. So it's pretty cool, right? Um, one thing I wish, and I would advise this to any young man, learn magic, basic magic tricks, right? I don't think those will ever go out of style. And I think they'll always be great for you at any point in life. <laughs> learn magic. I wish I knew more magic. Um, so this is from BV Luminous. Uh, Dan McDowell just sold me two hour apple pie. Jerks got the wrong guy tonight. Yeah. Do they mark the time on those things? Yeah, it's a little sketchy. Once in a while, if I go to like the deli at Walmart and they're like, here's some uh yeah, chicken sandwich, but it's like 10:50 and it's like 1:10 in the afternoon. I'm like, I don't know. It's a gamble. So usually though, if you mention it, if you call it out, be like, this thing's been here a while. Will you mark it down? Like, they'll be like, sure. Like, what do they have to lose? <laughs> so it's part of my list tomorrow. Street strategic timing, because usually they're like, Yeah, the hell with it. We'll mark it down for you. That's my joke. This is Bolo. John Rice. Hey, I never figured that one out. This is uh, Robert. Factory top speed says 150 miles an hour for lacrosse, a little tune, 162, but unless we are lowering and setting up to cannonball run, I don't suggest it with the Buick. So, yeah. My Buick is really low. I love my Buick. I have 28,000 miles on it, bought it new. The thing is, so Robert, get this. Like, it's maybe one out of four times when I run the car, the windshield wipers work. No, I shouldn't say that. 
75% of the time they work, one out of four times they don't. So it's something to do with the electronics. Um, and I still have a vehicle under warranty for like a year because I bought it new. So I got to get it in and say like, there's times like if I move the windshield washer thing, nothing happens. <laughs> so something's wrong here. Um, I don't know if you got to reprogram it or whatever, but or I can rain X the hell out of my windshield. Just hope this never becomes an issue. Uh, but yeah, I love driving the Buick because it, first of all, it drives really low. So as an older person, like to get into it, it's not that fun. But once you're into the Buick and this and the size of it is really hard to judge, at least for me, like my perception of depth and stuff isn't there. So like I park somewhere, I'd be like, oh, damn it. I'm like four feet from the sidewalk or whatever in the front. Um, it's this huge vehicle and it's got a lot of power. So when I, when I, when I teach my university courses, right, I'm driving on the interstate for 90 miles and then it's just like, it just shows off. Like I just absolutely love that vehicle. Uh, so yeah, but I never add it to 150. I don't know the interstate 70, 75, whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's big. So when I, when I'm in my garage, I put a, a bucket, an empty five gallon plastic pail in the front of my garage. So then I can hear when I hit this bucket. So I know when to stop because I, again, it's, it's hard to judge this vehicle because it has backup sensors, but not front sensors. Like the new, the new SUV has all that and 360 cameras. And all that, so there's no problem with that. But um, the Buick is just so big. It's so big. I don't know where it all is. <laughs> like what a time, what time zone is this in? This is a different zip code. I just don't know. So like you'll park at places and come out, people be like, did you park that? And I'm like, yeah, it was, I don't know. It's doing, it's weird. Um, I love it. It's just, it's, it's so damn big. It is just big. It is a very big vehicle. It's, it's very hard to figure out where you are in relation to the rest of the world when you are inside a vehicle. This is from our good friend Bolo from Canada. Bolo, I just bought a uh, Kelly kettle and burning wood is on the menu. I will not comply with Kelly. Damn right. Good for you, Bolo. Thanks, buddy. No salt on an apple pie, and don't forget to butter my coffee. <laughs> no kidding. God, I remember those apple pies. Robert, that's a Buick for you. Yeah, it, it could be something loose. Buicks are always nice to drive. Yeah. This, in my 2000, so my new Buick replaced my 2007, which um, I was involved in a very serious interstate ac accident, right? And destroyed the vehicle. I was pretty banged up from it. Um, I had a 3,800 engine in my 2007. I would have never given up that vehicle had it not been destroyed. So, but yeah, I like my, I, I love my Buick. So we have, so it's just mine. Like I'm the only, I'm the only person that's ever driven that vehicle. My wife has never been behind the wheel of that vehicle ever. Like no one drives it. So um, my kids, no, like that's dad's vehicle. Sure. Doc, you never try the top. <laughs> I, no, I haven't. When I was a kid, right? When I was 16, 17, my duster used to top out, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. Yeah. Get polar. What are you doing there, old old guy? I don't know. Uh, Doc put a tennis ball on her. Yeah, I know I could do that. I've got it. I could. The, the, the thing works pretty well with the pail. It's pretty easy. I could do the tennis ball on a, a rope, I guess, um, or something else like mark mark on a wall. That's how we, the other, the SUV, we line it up on the wall, on the left side of the wall. We have a marker, so we always know where that is in space. Plus, so with the 360 cameras, it's really much easier to park that vehicle than it is for mine. Mine, I've got to pay attention. That I don't rip the mirror off when I back it out. Like, that would that would be 
like really bad. So I've got to, as I really, I've really pay attention to that because it's uh, again, you have the two vehicles in a garage and now the SUV is larger. It doesn't allow for a lot of room. Um, so yeah, safety first. Oh God. <laughs> it's funny. Um, BB road. So runs though. It's a hell of a lot of a limbo currently. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I appreciate all that. So, well, a few things here. Let's. So, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, or you haven't hit the, uh, if you have multiple YouTube channels, I appreciate it. If you know friends, if you're like, hey, like subscribe to this guy, like you can use more subscribers and watch his stuff. Like I appreciate that. If you haven't bought this book, I know it's thirty bucks. Like I know I don't set the price for the book. It is, um, it is honestly the most three built, the most honest book about the three billion dollar school safety industry. When I wrote this, I knew I would never be a school administrator again. Um, and I'll be honest, like people have contacted me from all over the world and say like, your book has saved us as a school board. Like we've been able to use points from your book to get into these crazy discussions that we have to have bollards in every school or like these 4k cameras and all this other stuff. Uh, this is extremely well-written, you know, this is from a publisher. It's, it's edited as an index and it's just very well done. Two nights you'll get done reading. Plus it's not only school safety. Like it talks about our whole tendency for normalcy bias, our Taurus wanting to be every day, like, you know, we want it to be like the previous day. I think Vanessa, you know, if you're in here, you've read the book, uh, Bola, you're reading the book. Um, and then also like, you know, what 9-11 and 500,000 people being rescued from lower Manhattan in nine hours. How did that work? And the thing that's much more psychological than it is mechanical so, and the thing where someone is willing to stand up against an, an industry, right? You know, like after I wrote this book, there were conferences in my state that I could not register and attend and also would not invite me to present, even though people would say like, hey, like this person has written a very logical book about school safety. Would you invite him to this conference? I'd be like, no. Part of the reason is because right outside the door of that conference, as people are exiting that, that room, they have vendors who are paying thousands of dollars for tables who are trying to sell you fortifications and ballers and stuff. So if I present and say, you don't need any of that stuff. And then their vendors are saying, Oh, we just paid $20,000 for this eight foot table. It doesn't jive. So, but you know, I'm, the book is extremely well cited. You know, nobody can, can challenge the, the authentic um, research, the conclusions of the, of the book. Um, but they can just say, well, you know, um, there's more to it than that. Well, no, there isn't. Like, this is really where where it's at. So, yeah, I mean, please consider um, if you haven't bought it or, you know, if you have bought it and you haven't reviewed it, please review it, get it up on Amazon so we get more than 45 reviews. If you're interested in reviewing it and you don't have it, contact me directly. We'll see what we can do to get this in your hands so you can read it and leave a review on Amazon. So April 11th, three months from tomorrow, my book, uh, Velocity of Information Releases. And let's get the Velocity of Information up here just a second, folks, um, just so you see it here. Okay, right there is the Velocity of Information, yeah. Um, I want School of Airs to have 50 reviews by the time Velocity of Information gets out. So that's my goal, is to have those so the reviews are really awesome, you know, like, and, and just like how the book has impacted you, whether you're um, a parent or a taxpayer 
or someone who's worked with schools or just as a student, like you're like, Hey, like when I went to school, like whatever, 10 years ago, or this is, we did crazy safety stuff. And now I kind of understand why that was done or why it might not have been done or, you know, so it's, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating book. The fact that I linked in so many different areas and cohesively put it in that book, I think it was really incredible. I'm not like trying to shine a lot of light on myself. It's just kind of a skill that I have. It's this real, and, and you'll see it also in the velocity of information, this ability to take these incredible stories, incredible research and all stuff, and then weave it into a book, which is so time intensive and so consuming. But then as you go through it, it's going to be fun for you and things like you'll be able to share out with people. It's really awesome. So look at Andrew here. Andrew's Andrew's uh, ratcheted this up a little bit. He's like, hit the like button or else. Or else. Or else I'm going to call Peter Vekman. You know, Peter Vekman from Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Yeah, we're going to charge four big ones. And for storage and containment of the beast, we have a special of the week. $1,000. We're coming to $5,000. Peter Vekman here at Ghostbusters. So... You're probably thinking, oh, Doc has Peter Vekman for Ghostbusters, and that's all cool. You know what? I do, but I also have Ecto-1. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. I need to see the remake. I heard it's pretty good. Word is Doc's book tour will be catered by an authentic NMC. I need bagels, by the way. Yeah, I'm setting up the book tour. So the book tour is happening. It's going to be more central U.S. The thing is, like, because of some of the things that I've done re very recently, some decisions I made, the book tour has to be abbreviated um, or done in different parts. And I'm going to share that now, maybe in a week or two. I'll just give a hint. There's some very big political aspirations that the doc has suddenly put his hat in the ring for, which have been confirmed and will impact how the doc lives his life for the, possibly the next three years. Um, I can't say more about it at this time, but I will do a show specific on a decision that I made, a political decision that I made. So, um, but it, it would impact this, the way that I do the, the book tour. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out in Pennsylvania. I'm going to be out in Salt Lake city. So I'll, I'll let you guys know. Um, yeah, hopefully, like, you'll all be friends of the doc, right? <laughs> no one will, like, turn my car upside down or things like, hey, here's the doc. We know where he is. I mean, I don't I don't know how, how public and how I will meet people in places, right? Like, I have people in Pennsylvania I know. I have people, like, in Salt Lake City I know, in Texas I know, in Florida I know. Like, and then I will, we'll have these meetups. Like, I love to meet all you guys. Like, and I don't think anybody in my chat here is out to do me harm so hopefully not <laughs> hopefully like the blue wrenches would take care of the non-blue wrenches if that came to be plus doc is pretty pretty defensive here but um book tour needs to end at the carlson school oh my god you know if aaron was in on that andrew i would do it i would do it that is that is so funny i contacted the university today uh university of madison wisconsin by the way where i graduated with my phd and i informed them i said I'm three months away from a major book launch, scholarly book. It's already being substantially marketed by my publisher. It's, you know, you do a web search, it's showing up in 1,200 searches. It's, you know, Canada, Germany, France, I mean, all over the place. So, you know, 
like let's and actually Madison did a pretty good like promo and partnership with me. They had it up on their web page and stuff like that. For a university like fifty thousand people, that's a hell of a thing. Um so yeah, but it would be funny, the Carlson School of Management, because how yeah, how to interact and interface with chaos. I don't know <laughs> what that means. So we could meet up with it could be me, it could be Aaron Clary, and we could have some kind of uh, co-event there at the Carlson School of Management. That would be absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, one of the one of the crazy things, right, with school of or not school of errors, but with velocity of information is funny. You know, like the more you try to manage chaos, the less you, um, <laughs> the less likely you are to survive chaos. And I get burned by it. Whoa. Um, yeah, the more you try to apply rules and whatever in a chaos situation, the less likely that is to work out for you. So. <laughs> Not you, them. Uh, bacon in your ba is in your bagel. C23H. God, I'm hungry for bagels. Never cross the streams, Ray. Yeah. There's definitely a slim chance we'll survive. Important safety tip. Yeah, thanks. Never cross the streams. It's been good to work with all of you. So I made a proton pack, by the way, in 1984, and I cut my finger, and there's still a scar on it right here. And I have it stitched up. Um, I made a, a proton back with my friend, Gerald. Um, they're pretty cool. Made them all culvert pipe and hose and some other things and, uh, had some lights on them and things like that. They look pretty good. Kind of a pipe. I have no pictures of these things back, you know, 1984, but, uh, yeah, never cross the streams. 223 will get you playing 556 flavors every day. My bagel's 762. Got it. I have so damn hungry for bagels. That's, and we have like a Taco Bell in our town. But the thing is, like, when you at night, the Taco Bell drive through, and especially in winter when it's icy and things like that, I don't want to destroy a rim because, like, all my vehicles have nice rims. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, they have such hard left turns and angles and stuff like this. I'm like, I just, I don't want to, I can't deal with it. So and I know, like, there's this app and you can order and they'll bring stuff out. And I just, I just, the hell with it. That used to be kind of like a thing I looked forward to. It'd be like this time of night, it'd be like, yeah. Is anybody up for a taco ball run? I'd be like, sure. Like, you know, put together an order and go and stuff like that. I don't know. Can't trust it these days. Um, so trying to get through here. BV, I may glow, but I'm no ATF agent. It's good to know, buddy. Um, I wish I had. I'm, I'm hungry for a big bag of Doritos. I got to put that on my list, actually. Um, my list includes cereal, soup, fish crackers, coconut milk, and tuna packets. Um, I need to add like a family-sized bag of Doritos to that. So, which my doctor would say, you know, that's, that's not good for you, Dave. Like, you know, you should, you should be like, you're just not doing that. Be like, yeah, I know, but I'm also like, I'm this age and I like these things and I do bike in summer and I do counter the effects of entropy of winter so like well you know maybe we should try statins or something I'm like no 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 i'm good like i know there's a finite voltage on life right <laughs> that you know what john stamos was it john stamos no it wasn't john stamos i don't know who the hell it was somebody from full house like just died there 65 i'm like that's not far off from where i'm at but anyway i'm like no i'm okay like if i want doritos i'll eat doritos like, we don't need to. I, I'm not going to be doing this stuff. Um, this is John. I'm staring at a Taco Bell right now. 
I can believe it. Gosh, that makes me it makes me happy for you and sad for me, BV Luminous. I could I could use Taco Bell right now. Although, like, since they've gotten rid of the steak tacos, that's taken a big hit. And the chili cheese burritos off the menu, which why you take off the menu, I don't know. Hungarian goulash is my new kick. Wow. So I used to be like the czar of oatmeal. I make oatmeal and put cinnamon in it and raisins and stuff. It was really good, you know, cut up fruit. I kind of got away from that. I need to get back to that. It was just it was a great way to start the day. So I'm not starting my days off as great as I was. Um, BV Luminous, I miss when I was blissfully ignorant. Now I see junk food and garbage everywhere. If the grocery store isn't open, then I want a snack. Yeah, I know. God, when I was in college, like, it was Wednesdays. It was Whopper Wednesdays, right? So, like, even though I played on the basketball team, my roommates and I would be like, hey, baskets, Whopper Wednesdays. So you get some Whopper stuff. You still, like, play sports. And So John writes this thing, uh, Bob Saget. Yeah, it's Bob Saget, right? I was never a Bob. I never liked Bob Saget. Nothing against Bob Saget, but I never like found him to be like I'm like oh Bob Saget. So, but yeah, certainly um, didn't wish any ill upon Bob Saget. So, John is saying Irish food. Bob Saget had decades of drug drug use. Where I didn't know that. I'm sure he'll um, he'll be around for a long while, Doc. I didn't know that about Bob Saget. So. I don't know. You know, the thing is, like, I'm real, um, I don't know. And this is maybe for, this This could be its own show, but I'm, I'm very objective. And maybe it's like, well, you're, it's easy to be that if you're not faced with a life or death situation. But I'm, I'm very objective on life and death, right? Like, everybody dies. If I am biking and I have a heart attack or somebody hits me and kills me, then it's done. Like, that's the end of my life. And I don't look at, um, you know, these whole things too of like, you know, preservation of end of life and, you know, mm-hmm. relatives who went through that and things like this. And I'm like, God, ah, you know, when it's time, is time. I'll tell you, like, here's, I had one of my best friends. Her name was Connie. We'd worked together when I was, a, you know, newly graduated speech language pathologist. She worked in a therapy department. She was older than I was. And um, she's a cool person, right? Connie. And, Connie, um, when she was in her 50s, so this would have been, I don't know, like 10 years ago, right? She developed cancer and it got pretty um, aggressive in her body and like on her spine and stuff like this. And she was in a hospital bed and in her house, stuff like this. I would go and see her. She's just such a funny, good person, good person, funny person. And uh, I went to see her a couple times and we just, uh, like for an hour, we'd just be laughing, um, right? And, but at the same time, like the gravity of the situation was there. Like, you know, she was, was terminally ill. Like she only had months or weeks to live and whatever. And I remember the last time I saw her, last time I saw Connie, um, it was great. It was, it was so weird too, because like she had this, um, she said, I didn't know. Whoa, Bob Saget. Come on, Bob. So one of the things, so I, I went to see Connie and like her, she told her family like, oh, like have this like cheese and cracker thing ready for David, stuff like this. I'm like, oh my goodness, like you're dying. <laughs> you literally have maybe like six weeks to live and you're like more concerned about me. I mean, it was just, it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around that. But we were laughing. We we're just having a lot of, a lot of fun, right? And then when I left, she said, "One, I want you to promise me like that you will never come back 
here again. And it was weird, right? Like she was, she was a great friend. She was just so, so funny. Right. And, and, um, but she said she, and then she just paused and said, I'm, she said, Dave, like I've got maybe what, four or five weeks to live left, live life. Like I'm going to be after that, I might be comatose for a week or two and then I'm going to die. Like, it's just this reality, you know, my hair is going to fall out. I'm just, I'm not going to be eating. I'm not going to know who you are. And she said, this was so much fun for me today. It was so much, you know, we had a great time. She said, I want you to remember this. I don't want you to come back. And I've told my family, like, only to let you know after I've passed. And I remember I was out on the high school track, like doing my laps, which I do at night, which I don't do right now. But, and I, my phone buzzed and it's like one of her family members. And I like, I think it was her son and. And he's like, you know, she died. And she always, you know, you're a great friend and all this stuff, but she wanted, you know, obviously to list of people to contact when she died. And, uh, and it was really weird, right? Like to leave somebody's house and to say, I never want to see you again. But the reason is because like, we had such a great time. I don't want you to come back. Like when I'm all hooked up to IVs and I have no idea who you are and I'm, I look horrible and I'm a week away from death. So I, I, I don't know. I say things really objectively. And also like I, I've told my wife, um, and I said, it, when things happen to me, if things happen before, whatever, um, if anything, if, you know, um, do not, there's no big ceremony, right? There's no gravestone. Like I go out to these cemeteries when I bike and I see these cemeteries where the gravestones are all tilted over or fallen over. And it, people for, forget about them after 50 years, 100 years. I said, I don't want that. I said, just, you know, have me cremate it. Here's a couple places where I like, here's where I like to bike. Here's some other places I like to be, like put the ashes there, call it good. And, uh, and, and yeah, so, um, I don't know. It's, it's an interest. I, it's, it's just always, and maybe again, people will say, well, maybe it's arrogance of not being in that position, but I, I honestly, I don't think it would change my perspective if I was aware that my time was very short, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this is Ramar Tash. When I was a kid, I stood in line to meet Candace Cameron. I still have a crush on her. I, yeah. Um, wow. It was um, when I watched the movie, um, Armitage, I watched the movie, the hell was it? Tornado, the Tornado movie with uh, 1986 Twister. Who was the lady in Twister? Right? Helen Hunt. Wow. Like the movie Twister and Helen, that was to me at that time in that movie, I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that would have been, that would have been fun. Um, the Aristocrats. Yeah. I went to a funeral last week. Oh, no, John Rice. I haven't gone to a funeral in a long time. Like, a long, like a long time. Like Connie didn't have a funeral. It was just kind of a family gathering and whatever they did. And then I had another friend who died who I worked with. who was a good guy, but I, I didn't attend the funeral. There was some conflict on the day, but he had it more as a funeral party, you know, like a big meal and music and stuff like that. And I don't know. I don't know if it fully worked out like what should be done to remember the doc. You guys can all cut together clips here and make some kind of highlight film with some really cool music, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, she needed to remember you and her. So yeah, be voluminous. That's true. And I really, res I respected that later. And it was, it was weird to drive away and I never felt bad about it because she was just an awesome person. Um, 
And but the more like distance I'm away from that, which is what maybe five, six, seven. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back to figure out exactly. But um, but it, you know, it was one of these things too. Of like she was always such a, a advocate of what I did. Like you know, you're going on to like do this in school. You're going on to this, and and when you lose people who are in your corner, like that's that is weird. Um, when you lose people who are your staunch supporters, there is a certain hollowness that brings to you. Um, I don't know how to describe it. You know, you can probably describe it in the chat as well as I can. But like, I, I mean, I had people in who I've who have passed who've been like in my corner, like would fight to the end for me <laughs> like those when when you lose those types of people there is a an amplified sense to that loss um and actually connie was like one of those one of those people so um yeah i don't know the fentanyl wars are on the power is not so spectacular so yeah thanks uh, be, uh thanks below for that um safety first don't do drugs but if you do don't be dumb yeah be voluminous so yep um, hey, it's Chad Elkins. I've been watching sports ball night. Just, <laughs> just uh, Chad Elkins is in the sports ball. That guy loves sports ball. So you're like, who is that person in the front row there or up in the skybox? Is he zooming? It's Chad Elkins. That's Chad Elkins. He's sports ball. So yeah, I am a Green Bay Packers sports ball right now. So we'll see how they do. I won both my fantasy leagues. I'm waiting for my payout from my one league, which should be pretty substantial. Although, like, it's um, the thing is because I'm not probably going to win next year or the year after. Like I've won, I won in 2014 and then I won in 2006, 2014, 2021. So like the amount you have to pay in, it like kind of just balances out. So like, I've got to get better. I took third last year. And I think in our league that equals where you don't basically what you pay in, you get back out if you end up in third, but this year's should be a pretty big payout. So um, what in the Super Bowl? Um, from BV Luminous Doc last year, I lost too many, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing without them. I'm tough, tougher than most, but the world would only down a little bit. So, BV Luminous, well, thanks for posting it, and I feel uh, empathy for you, buddy. And thanks for posting that. And, like, honestly, like, if this ever gets on you, like, and you're like, Hey, I just want to chat about it, just contact me. It's like, seriously, um, but I. I wouldn't, I don't know if I can say I've been there, but I've kind of been there. Like I had some people who are really in my corner who passed away and, and then it's, it, it is weird. Um, it, it is, it is really, it, it was strange to kind of get the footing and kind of, I feel like in the movie, Tommy boy, <laughs> like when Chris Farley's like walking down like the, the road, the, dirt road and there's leaves and stuff and they're playing like amazing grace. And he's trying to figure out after his dad died. I mean, I, I feel that. Um, but I also feel like you, you rebound from that and you have some empathy and some strength and things like that. But, but yeah, I took some, I, I, I would say, I mean, I can talk about it on the show at some point. Um, 2013 and 2014 were absolutely horrible years for me, uh, personally and professionally were, were just damaging years. And I look now and say, like, I am much stronger, a better perspective and just better person because I went through those years. Would I want to go through those years again? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They were, they were horrible gut wrenching years for me. Um, 
but because I went through those, yeah, I, 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 I am. There's things I wouldn't have done. Like I wouldn't have written school fairs. I wouldn't have written the velocity of information. I probably wouldn't have returned to PBS had I not been through those things. Had, um, it, 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 I don't know. Those, it's a, that's not a, not amazing. Like all of you, like you've had these experiences too, but I mean, I'm open to sometimes sharing the 2013, 2014 <laughs> absolute um, implosion of, of perf personally and professionally um, for me. And, and I'll tell you, like at the time it was the, the, it was humbling and it was incredible. I mean, it was so nerve wracking that I was drinking um, like, you know, these Pediasure things, like just so you could get the calories. Cause I was, so I wasn't eating. Like I lost a lot of weight. I was just like, Oh, over the place. And then, but there was this, this, this process of, of working through that and becoming much stronger than I've ever been before. And like, I would never trade the person I am today and the books and the PBS and all of you for what it, the, and if I could say, if somebody could say like, 2013 2014 never happened and boom but you you don't have this you don't have the books you don't have the PBS you know you know your family you don't have what you've developed here would you trade it be like no way like because that forged me into what I was but oh god those are hard times those those are hard those are hard times those are times when like right now January 10th I would be walking the city at night. And it would be zero degrees and I would walk for three hours just to try to think and try to think out what was, what was going to happen next. But I'll tell you, like looking back, I'm like, whoa. And then, you know, that's when I started to, to do the things with biking more and like the hundred mile bike treks and things like that. And now it's like, and so, yeah, I, um, that, uh, so well, hang in there, BV Luminous. I do think, I, I think perspective develops. Um, always cultivate new relationships, yeah. And I'm doing that now. I think all of you to do that. Last funeral I attended was my grandmother almost nine years ago. This is Bacon. I had to deliver a speech for her. I was literally in town for less than 24 hours before I drive back to June. Like, whoa. So, yeah. I haven't, I haven't delivered a eulogy in a long time. So, um, yeah. Respect to your grandmother, Bacon. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I lose friends almost every year. Last year is more than normal. This is beefy luminous. Most of them are elderly, but I lost youthful friends over the years too. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't, I, so I volunteer. I mean, this is something again, I don't talk about. And part of it is I don't talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about it, but I do serve in a voluntary capacity with my county and another adjacent county as a, a critical instant debriefer. Um, so if events happen, and I haven't been called into this recently, but if events happen, um, so like I have an interstate close to me, multiple fatalities on an interstate because of an accident, I could be contacted to come in and to help debrief the responders to that event. So, um, I mean, that's not directly related to me. Um, it's been a, it's been a while since I've had someone directly related to me who's passed, but again, like I, I think I've had perspective um, from the events of 20, you know, 13 and 14. I, one of the things I, I was really thankful for, as I said, I just, 
I'm glad that happened to me then because I wouldn't want it to happen to me when I was older, like my age or older, like to have the first time to really get hit with really uh, severe turmoil in my life. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll spend a show because I think it's worthwhile to talk about. I don't know how I'll frame it. I don't know what the title will be. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that. Um, but yeah, there, there were some really rocky times. Um, I'm considering having a dark read some, uh, having dark read something at my funeral because I think he would say something deep and inspiring, but I feel weird asking him dark Armitage. You're talking about dark as in DLD. So dark's a cool guy. Uh, he would be very respectful to you. So, you know, it's kind of funny because I just think about this now, like I have no idea what anybody would read at my a eulogy. Like I, I won't have a formal funeral, but a gathering and stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I never really thought about it. Just like, he was a fun guy and did fun things and liked his books and his PBS presentations were good. So go knock. Um, this is the bacon channel. Cause I already get my car back. Hey, gotta get your car back, buddy. Um, uh, so this is Armitage. That could be a good idea. Plant the seed before I break down, so it's not the last for a second thing. Doc, you wouldn't be you if all it never. Yeah, it's true. Be you're true. You're true with that. Like, and the thing is, and again, this this will be a show, and I'll I'll you know do it because right, it's been long enough since you know these these catastrophic events have kind of happened, and I won't get into graphic detail on them, but um. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the person I was had I not gone through these these things. Um, and I do. I don't think I would have had the time or the, I don't know, the mental framing to write the two books, which are phenomenal. Right, School of Errors of Loss of Information to return to PBS. Working at the School for the Blind for four years as an administrator was a gift from God, as I did a show on that. That was the best job I ever had in my life. Um, and to bike in spring and fall with kids who are visually impaired, like to do an hour long bike trek with them on tandem bikes and a group and stuff like that. I mean, who else can say they've ever done stuff like that? And, and so I, I don't regret and and this is something where people kind of will, will go back who knew me back then and say, well, do you regret that these things happen? I said, I don't regret that they happen. I do though regret how some people interfaced with me when these things happen, because you have people who will split from you who are like, you're on your own <laughs> and people you thought that were in your corner or you thought were good friends or all this. And they're like, you're on your own. And I'd be like, Whoa, like I never thought like certain people would just bail on me. And then you also get to see how vindictive people are personally. Like I'm not a vindictive person. I consider myself to be a very generous, very kind person. Like even if someone is, has done me wrong. Right. Like, and I, I told somebody, I said, when I, when I had these things happen to me, I believed because I'd been on PBS and I, other things like some people are kind of jealous of maybe, I don't know. But when I come, when I was clearly waving the white flag in 2013 and 2014 saying I doc needs, I need to regroup personally and whatever people would not disengage. They continued to fire over. It's like being in a, and this is how I described it. I said it was like being two battleships in World War II and you see these videos and these battleships are duking it out, right? And then eventually one battleship is so damaged, it's like they surrender and they're like, okay, I'm going to port to secure myself. Like I surrender and then whatever. 
And then, um, but this other ship then, instead of like acknowledging that, they just like continue to fire at them as they're like retreating. And I said, I, I experienced where people, people that I thought were my good friends, or at least like would have been ethical to me during uh, my time of uh, struggles, right? Continue to fire to try to sink me. And I'm like, I never experienced that before in my life, ever in my life. And thankfully I had people around me, you know, or kind of like run and flank, you know, stuff like that. But even like for me, I was like, oh my God, like I, I never expected this. And people saying like, this person is out to destroy you. Like they are, that is their mission. Like they are out to sink you where uh, you cannot be brought back up and salvaged. Like they are out there to, to wipe you out. And uh, I'm like, whoa, like what did I ever do to you? Or, you know, and I, and that thing, and there's a, there is a point like when you see a person in weakness and maybe you don't agree with them or whatever, but, but like you part ways, right? Like professionally or whatever, you, you don't then ramp up and say, now's my chance to destroy them forever. Like what, even though whatever impact that has, it was so strange. And, um, and you really get to find out who you're stressful, stress, stressful events when you are at your weakest, when maybe you're, power your influences is stripped from you or temporarily displaced from you you will find out who your friends are and i found that out very quickly you know some of it was who i expected and some of it wasn't um but i'll tell you like the people who stuck you know with me during that time stuck are still my friends today and stick with me today and and some people who just uh parted ways it was really weird but, you know, maybe that's something you need to go through in life. You need to really find out who is who is in your corner, um, you know, when you're not the North Star. Robert wrote, reach out if anyone needs anything talk. He said, I don't know how I can help. I would try. That's really cool, Robert. It's really cool of you to do that. So, yeah. I would say, yeah, I had people, I, I mean, who in 2013, 2014 really kind of helped me get level again who are like, you know, look at your whole body of work. <laughs> and I remember like Larry Lawton. I mean, this was, I didn't know Larry back then, but you know, Larry um, Lawton is in my book, America's biggest ex jewel thief and saying, you know, you don't want to, uh, people have to realize they can't judge you on the most, the, the worst part of your life, which is kind of weird because I'm like, well, you were like, right. A judge would judge you on that. But, but he's, he's right on though. Um, and, and then you also get to see the people, I guess, in your life who are willing, who, who whether professionally or personally, who are who are willing then to try to sink you in the moments of weakness, right? And then how you have to, the, it's a citadel, right? You're a battleship, and the citadel is the middle of the battleship that if you can keep that citadel strong, the battleship will still float. And then the other people who are there, are there. So, like, it's all, I got, that's all cool now. Like, that's good. Like, that's fine. Everything's going to but it was, it was really tough. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for those people, but I think there's a point here. And the point is, um, to learn who those people are in your life. And sometimes those people will just automatically be revealed by tribulations that you will go through and it will be surprising. Like I was just awestruck by some people that I thought were very good friends who just immediately abandoned me because they're like, I can't, you know, they're, and yet like people who's, who stood completely like in step and and stuff like that so it's a it's a good it's a i'll have to think about it more for a show but i'll tell you like i still have lunch i still 
hang out. I still talk with those, those people and, and, uh, and yeah. And I like, it was really weird because I've never considered myself to be a person who would bail on people in need or a good friend in need. I never would, I never would see myself doing that to bail on a friend in need. And when you, when you experience it, that, that it's really weird. Like it's, it's just really strange. It's so counterintuitive and, and people, and then, you know, but again, like, as I said, I, that, that's not where I'm, that's not, I've been far away from that point for, for a really long time. And I'm really glad I went through that because now I think it, anything that happens, like it allows you to see and to calibrate those things. Um, and who really, who's really there for you and who's really there, um, to maybe ride your coattails a little bit, you know, cause back, I'll tell you back in 2013, 14, Doc was, you know, was quite the figure in a lot of things. Um, and not that I'm not there today, it's just kind of in a different arena, but, uh, but I think some people are just hanging on because like for them to say, Oh, like I know Doc or I know like this or whatever. I don't know. Um, it was just disappointing. Like I, I'm, there are some people who really revealed their, colors so i don't know bello like the album right <laughs> so i have so many great great i mean i've been able to make so many great friends great people great personal things by all the stuff today so I'm, but uh but yeah um but this i think you know we'll do a show and either i'll have a guest on or we'll talk about this but you will i i promise you this you will not find out who is truly in your corner until you are tested and maybe brought down to your, your weakest level of influence, right? When all of your, your, I don't know, powers and whatever are kind of stripped from you, you'll find out who's in your corner and who decides to exit. And it was really a phenomenal point in my life because I never had to go through that before. Like things have been really easy for me up until 2013, really easy. Like I could get any job I wanted present anywhere I want it. Like the first PBS presentation was easy for me to get on PBS. Like I was just this rising um, star in the, uh, just super fast. I was in this constellation of these, these stars and stuff like that. And then um, to get knocked out of that uh, was really something. Um, So, but yeah. Uh, But yeah, I don't, but you know, the, the strange thing is like today, like, God, like I said, I am so blessed to have two books, to be back on people, to know all of you, to have the Safety Doc podcast going and stuff. You know, my my family and the growth of my family stuff was great. And then, uh, um, yeah, it's it's just been wonderful. And I I have said so many times, working um, as an administrator for at the School for the Blind um, was a blessing. My God, I love that job, and I learned so much, and um, and it helped me so much in thinking about safety. Right, I would have never been there had I not had that job. I would have never had that job if things wouldn't have just absolutely imploded <laughs> in 2013 and 2014. Like I would have never, this would have never been in my trajectory. Would have never been in my path. So, so I don't, I don't carry around this resentment. I don't have any of that. But I still, it's still weird because. There are conferences I will try to, not try, people will say, Dave, there's this conference on whatever, we want to invite you in as a keynote. And then I'll hear back 24 hours later and say, oh, like people say like, we don't want you as a keynote. And part of that's because, oh, because I'm anti-fortifications or part of it is other things, right? <laughs> and I'll be like, you're 
you're just denying your membership of my knowledge by doing this. It's no skin off of my teeth. I really don't care. You're not hurting me by doing this. This doesn't, but it's really petty on your part. And also it's petty on whoever is holding this grudge of eight years against me, right? To say, oh, don't have Dave present at this conference because he's anti-Bollards or he's anti. I'm just like, get a life for God's sakes. Like, I don't spend any of this time like trying to undermine anything that anybody else does. I mean, like, get a life if you're spending this time trying to keep me out of a conference, which I don't care about. I honestly, if you think this is upsetting me, it doesn't, I don't, I don't care about this at all. It's, but it, it's so weird. Um, BV Luminous, November is a month has tried hard to kill me over. That's my birthday, by the way, BV Luminous. So don't let it get to you. I hate fall though. God, in November early sets in. I'm like, gosh, then I have to deal with winter. But now it's like January and there's more sunlight. And I'm like, well, three months from now, I can probably, you know, start to do a little bit of yard work and biking. So hang in there, buddy. If you guys ever need a chat, just get a hold of me. When things are at their worst, you seem who your real friends are. This is Armitage. And if you're staying alone, be badass enough to do it. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I had to learn to be badass enough. That's when I really got physically fit. You know, like those images of me where I look like friggin', you know, like a ninja, like Rocky Balboa or something. Like I was, I was crazy fit. Um, let me see if I've got one of those, those images here. Um, Cause I think it's pretty amazing. What in the, yeah, I do actually. Let's do this. Okay, I'm going to share screen. God, sorry. Share screen. Share screen. This was me in 2014. So um, I dropped, I don't know, 40 pounds. I was biking 70 miles every other day, weightlifting, running at night. Um, that right there is fueled by... Like I just had to get control over myself and a sense of agency and purpose. And I'll tell you, it was one of the best times of my life to do that. I'm, I'm what, like 42 in that picture right there. So yeah, I mean, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible to do that. So yeah, um, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. So you're like, whoa, that's Doc. I'm like, yeah, seriously, that is Doc. I could, I think I could get pretty close to that if I really dedicate myself again to that, which I might. Um, but yeah, that is a picture I keep, and that's a picture I took myself. I had a tripod, <laughs> set it up. I was out biking, and I know exactly where that was. I was out biking, and I, I use this picture as a reminder of like how I just kind of fought back and overcame, uh, you know, kind of when things went crashing down. So. Yeah, crazy, crazy. So yeah, I had one person who I thought was Armitage, you say, who was gonna be a, who was a friend of mine, like we had done a lot of stuff, and then like just gave me the whole, oh, I need didn't actually give me anything, just wouldn't respond to me at all. Even though like I would call him and say, Hey, like, dude, like can you hang out a little bit? Like, you know, you're trying to like find you're trying to 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 kind of calibrate yourself from the people around you, your member checks. And I thought that was a member check and he wasn't, so it was disappointing. But his he crashed a year or two later, so I don't know. 
It's adversity. It shows you really, you're right, Bacon. Yeah. I think the first time you go through that substantially as an adult is maybe different than the next times, the future times. But uh, as I said, I'm glad I went through it when I did, because I think I can really identify, I think I can handle stress a lot better now. Um, or chaos. I had to take the past year to regroup. This is from Toy Town. Figured out how to be a dad, how to block external stuff. Good for you, buddy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're absolutely doing the right thing. Take the time that you need. Figure out what your priorities are. Figure out, um, yeah, what what you want to do to improve yourself or connect with your family. Yeah, take all the time you need on that. Absolutely. And we're never told to do that, right? Like people are just like pressing us and. God, it was so funny because I look back at this crazy, this position I wanted and I got in this high paying position, this, you know, this administrative team. And looking back, like every single one of them were significantly flawed. Like every member of this team, like, you know, they would have kids that were into drugs or, you know, their, their, their personal lives were just disasters. And yet, like they had they had the big thing for them was just that they had these positions and this stuff. It was just so crazy. Like I remember like I had the, I was the only one in the parking lot without a luxury vehicle. Like that was just so important to all these people. I'm like, just, ah, you know, I wish I was young, you know, BV said, so my life is messed up from someone wrecking my truck. And I gave another car to a friend to pay his mortgage. Can't even let me use it. Ah, that sucks, buddy. So, You've been very generous. You have been treated well in return. So I'm sorry about that, baby Luminous. Richard said, I can definitely feel for you on that. It puts everything into perspective for sure. Who's in your corner? Who isn't? So yeah. And now I didn't really want to take the show down that direction. I'll, and I'll put a show on this because I think it's important. But um, yeah, I, I I fully think there is this there is this reckoning in your life that will happen where people will you'll find out who's in your corner and who's not. And I, like I said, I the people who were in my corner, I guess there were no surprises. I expected those people to be there, but some people who bailed, I was stunned, absolutely stunned. So, and not only that, people who bailed and then continue to try to um, inflict damage. And now it's weird because it's a position where I've been on PBS twice. I have two books and I have this other, and all this other stuff. I'm like, so it really makes them look like, is your goal just to try to put a dent in whatever I'm doing? Cause that's pretty petty on you at this point. <laughs> just give it up. <laughs> like I have no, I have no idea what's going on in your life. Years later, I could care less. I'm not actively doing anything against you ever. You know, no social media posts, no nothing. If this is your this is your objective, you're still angry. Too bad. Uh, spend five years carrying my aunt back and forth. This is Beef Luminous. Uh, 100 miles every day to see my uncle in the hospital working. I need help. They can't be bothered. Oh, it's too, that sucks, man. Right. Like what you contribute to people, there needs to be a memory there. A pay, uh, a pay it back as best they can. That I'm sorry to hear that. Andrew, the head guidance counselor at my middle school has a son that dropped out of high school. I still laugh at that irony. Yeah, I, 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 my one of my middle school English teachers was always like chiding me and and just like whatever. And I'm like, which I don't, 
I, I mean, I was a good writer back then. I don't know if it was this intimidation. It was really weird. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> dude, you've done nothing since you uh, retired, really. And I know that your family is a mess from some things that have been publicly known. And I've written two books. So not to com I'm not comparing, but if you are, you know, I still go back to um, this this weird thing of like, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. Right. Writing two books under a publishing contract, like for a publisher where you're not guaranteed, like every moment you have to prove yourself. Right. And it, things like that is, is, was really, um, um, a great experience because it's, you know, like if you go to college, you get your PhD, like if you pay enough money, you'll get your PhD. My PhD program is very rigorous. I'm glad I went through it, but eventually like you'll get your PhD, but if you write a book for a publisher, like there'll be a point in time when the publisher just say, no, we're not going to publish a book. It doesn't, it's not good enough. Right. Like it's has to be for market. So I didn't incur that. Like that was a real proving point for me. Like I wanted to do that with a, my publishers. So uh, my guidance counselor in high school said I should be a disc jockey. So, which actually I think would have been a good job, but um, anyone who takes from my past is giving to my future. I receive far more than I lose every time. Be villainous. It's a good point. Um, finesse wrote, indeed, true friends are those who thick and thin. Yeah. Friends I've had for 20, 30 years who I talk to on a daily basis or every other day. And these are people who could contact me and say, I need this or whatever. And I'd be like, boom, you got it. Um, but they, they don't, I mean, they're not doing that, but yeah. Um, BV Luminous, just pick what you can sacrifice in the world and give it freely. There are plenty of people out there to take it, be ready to give and be ready to receive. Yeah. One of the things I did after the 2013, 2014 <laughs> implosion, um, you have to, and, and to kind of, I mean, like I was at the top of my career, like I'd just been on national television, all this stuff. And then like everything just like fell apart. And, uh, um, you know, it, it was, I, I, the following year I got into don't, I, I worked every Saturday at a, it wasn't a soup kitchen. It was like, it was a community lunch thing, which they don't do anymore in my hometown, but it was really, so I would, I would get there early. It was church sponsored and, um, it was an old building and stuff like that, but it was, it was really cool. And I would, um, we'd, I'd help set things up, prepare the meals, serve the meals. Nobody knew who I was like at that point. I actually, a lot of people thought I was a priest. <laughs> it was really strange. Like a lot of people asked to pray with me and stuff. Like that. People are convinced I was a priest, but, um, I would stay at cleanup afterwards. And I was a volunteer and I did this for like two, three years straight. And then I would just talk to people, right? Like I would just, and I, I think I showed the story. Like this old lady would bring these coupons in a, she'd get her newspaper. She said, can you cut these out for me? Like I can't because of like arthritis and stuff. So I cut these coupons out, but like nobody knew who I was. I don't think anybody ever knew me by name. And, um, and it was just, it was really, it was really good for me. It was great at that time. And I know I made a big impact with a lot of people and just as great for me. And, um, but yeah, it was really, and again, like I look back and I'm like, would I, so someone could come back, right? Like, this is Jimmy Stewart thing, like wonderful life. Could they say, well, all this, none of this would have happened to you. Right. And you could have this path. Would you take it? I'd be like, no. Cause like the, the lady I met who was 85 years old and had arthritis and needed me to cut out her coupons. Like, I'm glad I did that for her. She has no idea who I was. <laughs> She always knew as a guy who was there, like right it, and uh, and and to do these things and this is genuine and and to sweep floors at the end, 
you know, and to put tables away and things like that. I don't know. Um, bacon wrong. That's the thing with about true karma the, these days. This is from Bacon. That you do wrong, you'll punish themselves while you move on to success and might not even remember them. Pretty much sums up public solution. Yeah, I, I'm sure Bacon, this is right. I have people who, it's weird, that still like are hung up on things, right, that happened years ago or things that I was, I don't know. Like, I'm just move on. Like, I, I just want to say to them, maybe like, I don't think about you during my day. <laughs> like, I don't, I honestly don't. I, so for you to sit there and to continue to grind or like, oh, if David is going to present at this conference, like I'm going to try to like get them to not have him present there. And that'll be this big thing. I'm like, not really. Like, honestly, if I'm presenting, I'm, it's a losing proposition for me based upon the consulting and stuff that I do. If I present at a conference, I'm more gifting my time and expertise than anything else. So if you want to don deny your people of that, your patrons, and it's up to you. I'm a pretty fun guy. Like people know me. I'm a good person. So, um, hey, it's Joe Morris in the house here. Like, Joe, you're BV Luminous. Uh, never had a male dog. A lot of bitches. Okay. Bacon. Hey, if you guys haven't subbed, sub over here. Right. So, um, yeah, keep the channel going. Keep the watch hours going. Beat Bolo in the background. By goodness, when you are working on your multiple projects, that certainly helps out the doc. If you're not on Amazon, consider it. Check out this, the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety. There's a lot of great stories in here. I interviewed Katie Pichon of the Kitchen Avery Relief. She's like at 26 when she took over logistics and that and dispatching people to talk about how she did that. There's a great stories in this book, School of Airs. So um, you'll love it. Two nights, you'll be done reading it. It's very well-made coffee book. So coffee table book. Um Finestro. To be to better thrive, we must learn to move past events at best. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I've done that. Like I I and it's weird when you interact with people who still believe you are the 2013, 14 person or who don't move on themselves. <laughs> like I like I, I said, Vanessa, it's this weird thing. And I talked about this with a few people who are kind of like, you know, knew me back then. I said, I, I feel like I've I've gone back to dry dock kind of repaired myself, you know, and work, everything's good now, but like, you still, these people who want to like attack you, but now they're like attacking a strong you versus like the, and I'm like, just go on with your own life. Like I've, I have nothing, I've, I have no issue with you. Um, and, and by the way, like you are, it's not working. Like, <laughs> um, what are you going to do? Like I'm retired. I'm a part-time professor. I just have this book coming out. Like, well, what are you, what are you trying? It's people who identify themselves by trying to bring down others, which is really junky. I don't know. I would, I would, I would hope to think I never would be that type of person. But when you see it in other people, it's like this really petty uh, thing. This is, it's really almost gross. I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people. I just know a lot of people anymore. Not any close. I guess that's part of, for me, it's part of aging. I just don't know as many people close. I know more people than I ever knew in my life. I just don't know as many as closely as I did. That's why I'm doing like the book tour. I mean, the book tour isn't necessarily sell a lot of books, right? <laughs> the book tour is to do some of that, but it's also then specifically to meet in Pennsylvania. A lot of people I know out there and to let people know where I'm going to be if they want to meet me or if I'm going to be out in Utah and, um, you know, things like that, uh, Texas, Florida. So I can meet up with some people that I've known online and things like that. 
I think it would be a great experience. I, it would mean a lot to me. For example, like meeting Bacon in person would mean a lot to me. Um, BV Luminous, uh, Joe Dolio, Jim, Vanessa, all you guys, like, of course. Um, so Jim, I was bitten in the face by dog and was getting stitches and stuff. Oh my God. Yikes, Jim. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Baking Rocho Morris, just some Morris, uh, just working as per usual, doing all right. Uh, Macintosh Jesus is not legal. So, well, it was near my red eye, so I guess say my eye was worth another layer of shell shock. Yikes. I'm sorry to hear about the gym. The goddamn bacon, drinking beer and bourbon on a school night, got to work tomorrow. So, getting too crazy. Joe. All right. So, well, everybody. A few things. One is all of you are very important to me. I I love the chat. Um, I I really do. So um it it you know it, it, it does mean a lot to me uh, to have all you guys, you know, on whether it's on the Mondays or on Fridays and, and just I've gotten to know you over time and you know, kind of like you know. Uh, you know, Bolo, Jim, you know, Bacon, Vanessa. I appreciate all of you. I really do. You're smart. And there is this this thing too where I, I feel like, you know, we, we can have these really intellectual chats that develop off of what we're talking about. So I appreciate that. Um, and and Robert, you know, you guys, I, I honestly, I mean, yeah. well, here's, here's Solitude posting this. We love it. Well, I don't know if everybody here loves me, but <laughs> at least... Um, I, I mean, I, I do value you guys very much in solitude, I guess, right back at you. So, um, but, um, yeah, you know, it's cool because we, the thing is every week there's going to be something, hopefully I can bring to this that, you know, you're like, oh, you know, like, okay, kids and sports and this whole thing of, should we have more sports for kids? Does that keep kids out of trouble? And it's like, well, sports aren't bad. So there's a lot of great things with sports, right? Like activities, stuff like this, but do sports prevent kids from causing violence? And the research says no. So you can be like, oh, doctor, did a show on that. And then he also does things saying, you know, esports and like, you know, maybe like our state competitions and esports are going to grow. And I mean, just one of these things you'll be thinking about. So like that's today. And then like Facebook Lady Fridays, we get into articles and saying, here's a headline. What's really going on with this? What makes sense? Let's look at the words. Let's analyze this. And actually, I get, I honestly, I get better from that. I don't. I leave there. I'm thinking I'm getting so much uh, skill with face validity by doing these shows and by listening to people. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, so all of you, like it's iron sharpened iron, right? We just make each other better. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you so much. Um, so yeah, thanks, you know, thanks for that. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to, um, you know, with three months away from tomorrow, the book will be out. So like I wake up that morning and, you know, the AP press release will come out on the book and all this stuff. So I'm like, oh my God. And I want to share with all of you. I mean, all of you have contributed to this. Like it's, um, I mean, you're all very important, uh, you know, people to me. So, um, hey, this is Media Hits saying good show. Thank you, Media Hits. Um, so, you know, it's DLD and DLD, it's good to see him back doing shows. Uh, I know he was very ill at one point, but um, yeah, be kind to each other. Um, be people that you might just interact with one time during the day, whether it's a cashier or just somebody you're passing by on the street or whatever. 
smile, a nod, a thank you is goes a long way. Um, it it certainly does, especially uh, especially now. And you know, just just you know, be the best you that you can be. And but also, like none of us are perfect, right? And and to recognize that, um, but just to 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 be, and that's honestly, I mean, it is it is. The, the older I get, it's just being the best you that you can be. That's the that's your measuring stick is you just want to be better, better than you were yesterday or the week before. And if you, and if something happens where you're not there, then you kind of like, well, how do how do I set myself so I can? And just like how you're interacting with other people, you're not yelling at people. You're not like I had some really crazy stuff happen on the way that my book was laid out, um, some graphics and stuff, and and I. You know, I had to point out to the publisher, I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't work. Like, we've got to change some things on the way that this left-right orientation works on this. But it was, like, very professional. You know, I didn't yell and scream and go all crazy and stuff. I So I printed off some things. and like, here's how it should kind of go. And, like, I understand where you're coming, you know, where you're seeing things. And, like, here's where I'm seeing things and what I thought as the author. And we, You know, we got together and we solved it. Um, But it, it's just one of those things. Like, my, one of my neighbors, like, cleared out their driveway and it was like a day where it was it started like 30 degrees and it was going to drop to like zero at the end of the day and they were working and i was cleaning my driveway out and i went over there and snowblower cleaned our driveway out and then i went and uh and they they asked me they're like did you clean our driveway out like the other day i'm like yeah and they're like well that's really cool and i'm like i said i would normally wouldn't i i, I would do that right because i'm a good person i do that but i said i did it because i know like you're working and as the temperature drops if by the time you get home to try to shovel that or to snowblow it would be very difficult because it's going to be like ice it's going to freeze so i just it made sense yeah you know, and i said i know you do the same thing for me right like if anything happened or whatever like or and i said so and they were just like yeah they just thanks for doing that and I'm like, I'm not going into, I'm not your permanent, you know, <laughs> yard keeper, whatever that. But it was just in the moment. Like, I just recognized the situation and things like that. And they were just really happy for that. But, you know, it's one of those things. Just be a good person. Um, you know, be good to each other. Here it is. Uh, be excellent to each other always. Yeah. And that's one thing. You can always be excellent. You can always be excellent, gentle and best, excellent. And even to the people who have, who have, damn not damage you but i've tried to inflict damage on you i think um it's it is amazing when you show like i don't know if it's kindness or you you don't react in a negative way to these people it's it's it almost makes them like corrode more and not that i want that to happen but I, or i i'm not wishing ill upon these people i just like <laughs> move on with your life <laughs> like you don't have to be fixated with trying to bring down the dock. Um, cash up front. Jim Armitage. Cash is king. I'm still hoping I can deprogram myself enough from the Amish to take me in. So I live 15 miles from an Amish community, by the way. I did date an Amish girl in high school and when I lived up north. Fact. So, and her family wanted me to marry her, like on our second date. They were convinced, and her younger brother. Um, that I was the one, I don't know. She was pretty cool. It just wasn't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> groundskeeper, it's a job name. Did it for a while. I was a groundskeeper. I loved it. I learned a hell of a lot from being a groundskeeper. Like I have one of the best yards in my neighborhood from being, learning how to be a groundskeeper and lime and 
measuring soil and stuff like that. When you don't negatively act to people's greed, you diminish greed. Baby Loomis, right? There are cases where you can't ignore it, but in every case you can. Please do. Yeah. 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 It's really, like I said, it's, it's really weird because, like, to this day, I know there are, there, there's a group of people, there's a, cons, there's a concerted, like, they, that would try to undermine my future steps and things. And you find out about this, like, as the more you interact with people, like, it'll just tell you, like, these people are against you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know. I guess they are. Um, so it's, but if they want to spend their time doing it, that's their day. I don't get up in the morning and plot out my things against other people. I'm like, that. um, yeah, most of my furniture in this house is built by my, the Amish community. And it, you know, that's where it takes like half a year. Like you go and draw stuff out and then they're like, we'll send you a postcard six months from now. Come get it. So I love it. And the doc, I would have probably, uh, done it. Yeah, I can always go into the bush all by myself. I love it. Uh, Vanessa, I work cemetery association with Old's brother. Uh, oh, that's amazing. My dad dug graves. Yeah, as uh, growing up, that was uh, something he did. That's that is really amazing, Vanessa. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah, that's really. That's that's cool stuff. Um, so let me see. Are we pretty much done here with the? Oh, we got one more here. Um, Solitude Surfaces. Thank you, Doc, for all you do. And have done. well, thank you, Solitude Server. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not extraordinary. I am, um, but I I'm really proud of this show for the fact that this is episode 166. I started this four years ago. We have every show I render in video, in audio, which is leveled. So, you know, if you're listening to it while you're hiking in a car or something, you know, it's, it's all going to be leveled. And I do a blog post, seven, 800 words. So actually, if you go through all 166, you know, you might find 10 or 15 shows that really appeal to you or people I've interviewed, just topics and things like that. And one of the things I share is when I get done with a show, um, I always learn something. I learned from you. I also learned from the topic. Like I didn't like I was put on the spot by uh, like that reporter this week when she asked me, well, how about sports and violence, you know, youth violence and stuff. I'm like, well, <laughs> here's what the research says, but also like the research isn't complete. And I'm not sure there might. I, and I said, I think maybe we should invest more just in sports or fields or giving. I said, I, I don't think this is, exactly if you just write about this and say, well, playing sports doesn't make a difference. I said, I think it does, but I, but right. Everybody thinks of sports as a softball field or a gym. And I'm like, it's esports now. And we're not really thinking about that. And I haven't thought about it. So like I dug into it and I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't know. Like there were all these the states where this, you know, you could go to state and be like the esport champion. And, and that's not a bad thing either. So again, um, Jim wrote, I've never been in an Amish home and I'm a former Marine and can always can call back up and really do. I go violent if the DV crosses into abuse. So I've been into a few Amish homes. It's, it's all been cool. Um, so the Amish girl I dated was, I had to call to set up a date. I had to call their neighbor, neighbors who had a phone who are non-Amish and then they would convey the messages back and forth. 
And we did it for a while. She was really cool, but I mean, it was just like it clearly culturally wasn't going to. I mean, they immediately like just wanted to you marry her. So her brother was pretty cool. So it been, I don't know, been interesting. Uh, hey, 1F Stack, are you here? But hey, buddy, welcome. Our friend from Canada. So yeah, hope, hope all is well up there. So say hi to our, our friend, um, our, our antique friend, I should say. Say hi, say hello to him. He has no idea who I am, but. Doc, you always wear a suit jacket and your uh, it's level, your audio is level. Your efforts, I appreciate. Watch the level. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. So, right. I appreciate that. Um, so one of the things is, I think it's important to portray a, a certain image, right? Like, you know, if we go back and you look at any baseball, like World Series in 1930s, like everybody wore a suit coat, right? Uh, a sport coat in dress formal. A sport coat. I have, you know, I have a number of sport. When I teach at the university level, I wear a sport coat, like Dockers and a shirt like this. You know, I don't wear a tie anymore. I used to when I was at a school administrator, but um, a sport coat literally is like 25, 30 bucks off of eBay because nobody wears sport coats anymore. It's like, ask the Laurenta F44 regular, boom. And, uh, you know, once a year, take them in to get them clean, Febreze them the rest of the time. Um, but I think it does. I, I think there is a, something with that. And thanks for the love. I, I do put on the headphones and, um, you know, kind of monitor this. And, and then actually when I work through the actual audio rendering, I run that through another program, which levels it. So, you know, anybody who wants to do that and there's some lighting in front of me. So there's some light in here and I try to do the background and it's not blue screen, but I actually do have a page of show notes, right. That I try to go through. And again, the blog post I already wrote for tomorrow. So I, I try to make it so there's value to it. So appreciate that, Joe. Um, Arbitage is good from Bolo. Um, so hard, hard to tell from text only. I think, uh, I think I'm on the spectrum. So Jim, I don't know. And if you are, then you are buddy. Um, I had, when I first started to work, um, I got many, I not, this wasn't like just a one-off. Like I had many people approach me and say, do you have autism? And I'd be like, I don't think so. Um, and if I do, I do, but I don't, I've never been diagnosed with autism. I don't think I have autism, but I don't know. I had, I remember some people approaching me and ties are rough on boys with thick neck. Yeah. I have like an 18 neck. And so I just don't do the tie thing. I love sport coats. So one of the benefits of remote work, I guess right now, people not going back to the office is sport coats are just like all over eBay and Poshmark and stuff like that. You can get them really cheap. Um, Goodwill, like, and just try them on. So yeah, to a sport. This is the ideal time to be buying sport coats. Um, so yeah, I I always when I when I teach at the university in fall and I I you know have dress shoes polished, um, you know dress slacks, shirt maybe like this or maybe solid in a sport coat. And I just think it's and I always have like a pin. This is my UW Madison pin. And I have my university I teach at pin and other pins. Um, it just, it, it conveys, I think, a respect for the position is what it conveys. Um, and I don't want to be coming in and teaching in shorts and sandals. And I don't know, I had a couple of profs like that. I don't know. I guess you can say, well, it's the content, whatever. But I don't know. I think there's a, 
there's a certain um, appeal or is not, I wouldn't say appeal. There's a certain dignity to how you present yourself. Um, so yeah, I don't, I would just say that. a plumber is autism. I don't think he's evil. I do you think Billy Gates or yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bill Gates. Oh my goodness. Doc Martens are my replacement for issues. So mine are uh, shine leather. Yep. So I don't wear my dress shoes a lot. I just wear them for like university teaching or official meetings or things like that. I have them for quite a while, shine them up and yep, have them for a long time. That's basically what I wear in the workshop. So yeah, I, what, so what I do, and if you guys see Facility Fridays, you probably see it, but I have these insul these, these thermal shirts that the NFL players wear. They're actual authentic. There's a place in Minnesota, I don't know if it's Minneapolis, but they, they teams donate these things and then they it's kind of like a goodwill type thing. Then they sell them on eBay. But, and I used to buy these from the Packers pro shop um, in summer. Like they'd have them. You could buy them for like 10 bucks. It's crazy. These things are super warm. So I bought a lot of this NFL cold weather apparel, like right from the teams. And then, so that's what I wear. That's this, this time of year. Like I, I will wear it during the day. It keeps me warm. And stuff will last forever because it's, you know, it's meant for game wear. So you won't rip it in half during a game. Um, and yeah, just, and, and usually sometimes down here, I'll wear a winter hat. It's not heated down here. So it's like 55 degrees right now. It doesn't probably, <laughs> doesn't seem like that from where you're at. It gets a little lower. And then as I speak, this would all turn to steam. But uh, so this is Alex. Got to stay professional and it helps that people, actually pay attention also keeps the presenter teacher be professional kids like Alex Alex you're right on this is so understated these days um Quintus Curtius you know posts this on on Twitter and things like that but people interact with you um at a different level if you present yourself as kind of together and professional not that you have to go over the top but I just I I don't know like I I've noticed it and I don't think I, I would do a safety doc podcast if I didn't have a sport coat on. Um, now, Facefully Fridays is much more easygoing, right? But I don't, this is, this is if anybody's going back through these, I think I, I always want them to, to, to see this type of presentation. And I spent some time combing the hair and background is pretty tidy and things like that. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something to that. Um, and like a, even in public, you know, like I wear a black pea coat, and people mention that's a really nice pea coat, or like your hair's done nice, or stuff like this. And and it's almost because like it doesn't people don't attend to that as much. And I don't think you need to have money to attend to that. I think you just need to attend to that, and people don't anymore as much. Um, yeah, I, I wore ties as a school administrator, like nonstop. And I had a massive collection of ties. And they, a lot of them were pretty cool. But uh, but yeah, I'm totally beyond the the tie the tie thing now. Um, so I will have the blog post up tomorrow. Um, and also you, you saw the new commercial that came out for my, or the trailer, I guess we're calling it officially the trailer, trailer one and trailer two. Um, that came out for lost information and came out tonight. So it's on my YouTube channel here. So if you can share that, it's a minute long, right? Cause they cut it to them. It's really well done. Oh my God, is it good? Um, so yeah, 
Um, Andrew, I only wear a t-shirt and flip-flops at Home Depot and the gas station to get a lotto ticket. Everywhere else is shoes, long pants, but good for you, buddy. I love that. Yeah. And in summer, like, you know, I will wear, you know, shoes and shorts and it's like a tank top if I'm out walking or something like that. But otherwise, you know, I'd like to, I, I, I spend time, like, do my shoes match my rest of my outfit? <laughs> it sounds a little crazy, like, but I, I, I don't know. And the way that you address people, you know, in manners and thank you and please. And, but also, I guess, like, I don't know. My dad retired as senior partner in a small respected accounting firm. He always mandated business dress, sport coats at minimum. Good, Joe. Yeah. I never do. I never do consulting or anything unless I'm in this type of apparel dress. You know, I don't have dress shoes on now, but like dress shoes, dress pants, stuff like I just would never, just never do it. Um, and yeah, docs are nice. Uh, unfortunately they have become an accessory of the middle class. Sorry. Yeah. Kind of doc Martens, right? So yeah, I don't know what my shoes are. I've had them a long time. I just need to shine them up every once in a while and they're, they're good to go in the closet. So here's one from Salted Surfer. You rock, Doc. Keep up the great work. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, but walking on your manicured lawn is beautiful since I, I do spend a lot of time on my lawn. Um, and part of that goes back to being working as a greenskeeper. It's, I just enjoy that. I really, really do. And it's funny because this year I spent time in my driveway in a folding camp chair. First time ever I did that, just chilling out at night and people would walk by and you get to know people for a while. And then people would compliment and say, your lawn looks really, really nice. Like every time I would come back, cause I do patterns on my lawn and I spend time it's in the front lawn. And like, I spend time like, you know, mowing it and putting patterns into it. So it looks like a baseball field. And, and I just, I, it's fun. I have it just a fun with it. It's just a hobby. Right. You know, so things like that. But, but then when people are like, Hey, like I, like we notice this. It's always fun to walk by and to see, like you know, what you've done here. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, earn the consulting fee, dress the part. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. Um, bare barefoot the lawn, get grounded. Yeah, got my front lawn's really nice. My daughters are both um, gymnasts, so they do stuff out in the front yard. So I. Uh, they practice and, and stuff like that. So I, I really spend a lot of time, re, you know, overseeding, reseeding, you know, work on the yard. So the yard is just really good, you know, when they're for the stuff that they want to do. But um, I don't, it's just a reflection too of like the house and the property. Like if you go buy it in our neighborhood, it just stands out a little bit. Like my neighbors do good work too, but like I just, it just stands out a little bit. It always has. Yeah, and it's for them. It's really not for me. Like I don't, for my house, I don't get, when I look outside, I don't get to see the patterns I cut in. They're only visible from the road. So it's, it's kind of neat, but all right. Well, everybody, um, let me just bring up the, the book, uh, one more time here. This is bacon. My neighbor stopped asking me to mow their grass because I kept cutting. <laughs> oh, come on, bacon. Um, so where is it? is it? Oh, right here it is. So just a second, and let's do this.
All right. That was the velocity of information. That commercial is out there right now. And let me, before we cut out here, everybody, um, let me, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Um, what am I, what am I doing? Why am I covered in ants? Um, yeah, leave nice comments and thumbs up here for the commercial. That would be great. Or so, um, so let's do this new book trailer. So here's my new book trailer. If you can go in and comment and say, this is the best damn trailer ever or thumbs up it. Hey, I would appreciate that. But that is the new book trailer right there. So I appreciate that. That just came out tonight. We've been working on that for a while. The person who, the team that made that for me. So, um, yeah. Uh, Jim's saying, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so disappointed that I live in Wisconsin in winter. <laughs> I'm just like, this is a big loss, big fail. You know, my good friend, Aaron, who texts me and he's like, Hey, I'm in Las Vegas and it's 80 degrees. I just want to hike today. And I'm like, I, I love you, buddy. Like, you know, I do. I think you are great. Um, but yes, I am here in Wisconsin where it is cold and snowy and I'm happy that it's warm where you're at and you were able to do your hike today. That's not happening here. Uh, Bolo saying any bots. I don't think we've had really an issue with, with bots. I know you guys have cleaned that up uh, for me, which I appreciate. So, but yeah, here's the commercial or I guess the trailer. It's not a commercial. It's a trailer. And this is, it's professionally done for the book. And this officially released tonight, um, a few hours before, before the show started. And this is so good. And there's a new, there's an alternative version of this being done. So it'll be like a trailer one and a trailer two, and they'll share some of the same things. And uh, the trailer, the second trailer will release next month. Uh, but this is just so good um, for my book. I'm just so excited because now things are coming together. Trailers are, you know, eventually um, April 11th, uh, Associated Press release comes out. But I mean, the trailers just really, so it's exciting. Like, I'm like, oh my God. You know, there's the book cover. There's, you know, James David Dixon from the Detroit News is phenomenal. Holy smokes, you know, and his quote and seeing all of that stuff come up like, oh, my God, that's great. Jim's like, be right back. So, um, I okay, if you get, I didn't, I have, have been noticing any bots you guys have been taking, taking care of them. So I appreciate that you guys have, have done that. So. Well, here's what I'm doing is uh, I'm going to uh, sign us off for the night. So please subscribe. Uh, please comment. That's another thing. And also, like, if you go to these shows, please check if people are kind of spamming the comments. Because all that's just weirdly happened here in the last week. Where someone who then I'll go and they'll be like, they have no videos posted. Like, they're recently to YouTube. But they'll be like, this show's too long and it was boring and I don't like it. I'm like... So obviously, you know, they're just spamming it, right? Like, because then it's fine. Like if, you know, if you don't, dis if you disagree with whatever I've said here, like point that out or whatever, but then it's not your jam. Like don't tune into this, like turn on the radio or something. But, you know, um, that helps me out when you guys do that, you know, to to attend to what's going on there. And then, um, yeah, 
I, anything that you post down in the forum, you know, the community forum and the stuff for this, I respond to it. It helps the algorithm out. Uh, just sharing the show out with people coming back on Friday when I do face validity Fridays in the morning. I love it. So, um, yeah. And yeah, we've, we've had a pretty consistent schedule. Like this really makes my week. Like this makes my Monday. Like I did a lot of things today, but I'm like, ah, at eight 15, you know, show starts and bacon, Armitage, you know, Bolo, Vanessa, they're going to, you know, probably be there. It's going to be great. So everybody, I want you to um, take care as DLD, you know, practice uh, kindness, but you know, be robust and stout in who you are. And uh, you know, if you're, you know, people inter aren't interacting with you correctly, then that's their own issue. Like you're a good person. Um, and yeah, this, this is Andrew's just right. Like some people just want to throw rocks at glass houses. My God, like I honestly, Andrew, like I, I know some of these people and I'm like, what is up with what, what's your problem? You know, and Aaron, you know, you guys might know Aaron, Aaron and I have this conversation every once in a while. Cause you know, Aaron runs into some of those people too. Um, yeah. He is a much bigger channel than I do. And like I told Aaron, I said, Aaron, like, Personally, as a friend of yours for a long time, I am happy for you. Like, it's sincerely happy. I always have been. Like, I'm happy that you were able to build a house that you wanted and to do the things that you wanted. And I said, but I also know, like, you worked really hard for all these things. Like, you are super hardworking. You're diligent. And, you know, um, and I said, I'm happy. I said, I would, there's not one ounce of me that would ever feel like jealousy or to try to, you know, bring you off of where you've, ascend it through your hard work and through, you know, the, the impact you've made on people. And I think it is a real sincere because like, just there's just people out there that aren't that way. Like, it was funny. Cause like someone was, uh, it was somebody in Wisconsin won a lottery, like, I don't know, $300 million or something. And I don't know. I was talking to a couple of neighbors and they're like, yeah, that person, all stuff. I'm like, well, I don't know, like good for them, whatever they don't, they can do whatever they want to do. And, I, didn't, I have no ill will feelings toward them whatsoever. Um, I hope they can do things. I hope maybe they get to be creative or maybe do things that they do that they never would have had. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, that darn person. And so listen to a good show. Thank you. Hey, heavy water. Thanks you buddy. So everybody, I am going to be out of here and uh, thank you so much. Have a, great rest of your night. So I'm going to exit us the same way that I brought us in. And that is with the, our safety doc um, intro. I'm going to use it as our outro. So take care, everybody. This is your good friend, the safety doc here in Southern Wisconsin it is below zero. I got to stock the fire. I got to stock the stove. I was going to get cool here and I can't have that happen. It's, it's cold already, but take care, everybody. Thumbs up, subscribe, uh, philosophy of information, share the show, go in, um, especially on that trailer, give a thanks, all of that. But thank you so much, everybody. Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. 
follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.